right. I think we are good. See a few people checked in on Facebook. Okay. Desalene, what's up? Assad, Michael, David, Anthony, Shannon, Abdul, what's going on? All right. Ian, what's happening? Yousef, AB Media, salute to you too. Inner Light, what's going on? Thanks for checking in. Crimson Cure, uh, check the email, lady. Um, you take your time. I just want you to know it's there. Uh, Brother Toot, yeah, just starting. So I'm letting some people come in. We got 28 so far. So please hit the like button as you come in and make sure that uh, you share. And if you haven't, please subscribe. For life, what's going on? Uh, I hope everybody's doing well. I know not not many ask how brothers tend are are doing. They just you know often call and expect uh, things from you. So I hope my brothers are well. I hope you guys are keeping your head up out there. All right, Tereb, salute to you. Finally made it to a live one. Okay. And give you people a few moments to come in and hear. We're going to be doing a kind of extra edition tonight. So I'm going to start out with uh, some thoughts and reflections of my own. And then we're going to be joined by the uh, brilliant uh, Crimson Cure, Miss Kendra D. And then I'm going to open it up to a live stream. Um, and get some discussion going because I think this issue merits that. So tonight will be a, a little longer than my usual one hour. Um, but I think it'll be well worth it. Okay. So I'll let some people come in. Throw up to about 40. That's right. JBF Stone is here. What's going on? C. Radner, what's happening? Glad to hear y'all are good. Desaline. Charles and Quentin joined. What's going on, people? Joe Average. <laughs> so you follow from Inner Light. Yeah. Uh, so for those who don't know, just got off of Inner Light Radio. Um, BGS was kind enough to call in. We had a conversation about the uh, veracity of the virus and, and, you know, some discussion about, uh, you know, conspiracy theories, uh, concepts, things that we're hearing casually talked about in regards to the virus. And BGS was kind enough to come in and put some, some accuracy to the discussion as usual. All right. Yousef shouting out Crimson. Absolutely. Uh, she's been on fire lately. Her and Valdez been kicking some some incredible material. Um, 
and I had to post a couple of times, uh, Crimson. I had to, I actually transcribed a number of things you said and had to post it in there on social media when I posted your video. Um, cause it, you were just, man, that was powerful. So let's see. Let me get this in here. So here we go. Please make sure you support the show if you can. All right. Okay. And I just lost my link. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right, let me get some of this excess off my screen. Um, so there's a couple of you that uh, I already know. I'm going to send you links to come in a little bit later, so I haven't forgotten about that. Um, and so I'll get your email addresses shortly, and we'll delve into some of that. Um so you guys know I, I like to start with some current events. I'm not going to delve too deeply into those uh, tonight because I really want to get into this. But I will start with a couple. Let me get my screen shared over here. Hmm, where'd it go? Okay, hold on. I see. All right. Okay, so let me share this one here. This one I just got just before I started my last show a little minute ago. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting and uh, warranted at least a notice if you hadn't had a chance to look at this one. Uh, Devils finally finalizes regulations that give more rights to those accused of sexual assault on college campuses. Uh, this might be an interesting one to delve into. Uh, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos on Monday formally announced new protections for those accused of campus sexual assault and uh, sexual harassment and assault, a controversial move that upends Obama-era guidance she had argued denied due process to the accused. The changes, which critics argue may discourage victims from coming forward, include provisions under the federal law, Title IX, that allow those accused of harassment or assault to question evidence and cross-examine their accusers, right? So what you had happening is, you know, as we've seen in other contexts, accusations became synonymous with guilt. Often uh, college campuses would establish their own uh, kind of process that often did not include law enforcement, and you actually had people being expelled from universities without ever having an opportunity to address their harassers or cross-examine um, what was extended. Often you don't even have no material evidence provided. So this is an interesting kind of situation. And, and to see Title IX being invoked uh, in, this, in this fashion uh, opens up some interesting doors. So something to check out. This is on CNN.com. It is dated earlier today, so it's brand new. Uh, give it a view um, and uh, ponder some of that. So let me 
Okay, let me reverse these for a quick little minute. And, uh, okay, thought I took that down. Interesting. All right. Okay, I'm a little, where did everything go? There we go. All right. So we're back on track. Let's see. Malika, how you doing? All right. Thanks for the super for the support, Malika. Appreciate that. Um, I want to shout out to um, my moderators out there, uh, especially for the last uh, few months. I really appreciate you guys' support here on YouTube. Um, let me get this thing out of the way here. Just having a little bit of technical difficulty. <laughs> it's my computer is all over the place. Um, but we are getting it together here. It's one of those situations where, um, things are not quite working the way I want them to, but we're going to make it happen. All right. Okay. Uh, now the next, uh, issue I'm sure many of you are quite familiar with, um, by now, this is, uh, case we've been seeing on the news quite a bit, I believe, and it has to do with the killing of a young black male, uh, which was actually captured on video. Hold on, dang it. I don't know what is going on with my whole system. I apologize, people. Things are freezing up and moving a little slow, and... Uh, Man, this is frustrating. God dang. There we go. Ooh, I apologize. This is this is not really happened like this in a minute. All right. Where did it go? Oh, my goodness. All right. So now I think we are finally in business. All right. So you guys may have seen this. I'm sure you have.
Okay. Can you guys see me back in here? Can you guys see me? Did it come back in? Okay, because I'm back in. Yeah, it, it just it, it's been freezing up, and then it pushed me out altogether. So I apologize about that. Um, it's been a strange uh, little moment over here, but I am trying to get back on board. So if you can bear with me. All right. Yeah, Google Chrome. Yeah, is doing that. And uh, I tried to flip it over to Firefox, but uh, I couldn't quite get into it. So I'm just back in here anyway. All right. So I'm sure you guys uh, saw the death of um, one particular young brother. Right. If you haven't, I'll introduce you. kind of shit that black men are dealing with right now. And this is the kind of thing, though, this is the death of Ahmad Avery um, just out jogging and was shot down. Uh, for no reason, really, other than you had uh, racist white men that saw the need for him to die. So he was killed by two white supremacists um, and is denied the justice he's deserved. He's 25 years old, a fit athlete uh, who was jogging Sunday afternoon in Brunswick, Georgia, Um February 23rd, uh, two white supremacists saw him, grabbed their guns, got in a truck, chased him down. uh, And as you can see, shot him twice. Um, And he died right where he stood um, unarmed. Uh, He had not done anything wrong. He he hadn't committed any crimes. Uh, They just wanted to outright kill him and was able to do so. Right. Um, I show it. Uh, not for any sensational purposes, but because um, at the end of the day, black men tend to know that this is a possibility for us at any point in time. We don't take it lightly. Um, This is the reality of our existence. And I find, you know, in my classes, I often deal with students, sometimes including young black males themselves, that don't believe that this is still happening, that believe that racism is something of the past of the 1950s and 60s, maybe the 70s. But again, to many of them who were born after 2000, um, the 1970s is as much ancient history as the 1870s. But the reality of what we live with um, continues to exist. Uh, It has not abated. It has merely um, taken uh, other forms in terms of often going underground. But the brazenness of it... um, the outright injustice of it, the outright brutality of it is still very much present. 
it ain't gone anywhere, AB Media. Absolutely. It's still very present. And so what we're looking at at this point is to push for Abram, for Ahmad Avery, a young black man uh, who was killed for no reason. Um, and so the attackers were Gregory McMichael, former police officer and retired investigator for the DA's office, and his son, Travis. When Gregory saw Ahmad running, um, um, in, uh, running in his neighborhood, uh, Satilla Shores, a predominantly white community, he and his son immediately armed themselves with a shotgun and a 357 Magnum, hopped into their pickup truck and chased them down. Right. Um, so there's also an article on runwithamod.com, I believe it is, that gives them some information about how we can support. And I hope we do, because this shit is just absolutely ridiculous. And of course, we've been hearing for a while now that you have people who are trying to take advantage of the pandemic and use that as an opportunity to um, get away with these kinds of crimes under the table. Um, and so these are the kind of things that we have to become cognizant of. We don't have the luxury to sit on our laurels as if this isn't happening, right? Exactly, right? So these are the kinds of issues we're grappling with. Exactly, LSN, watching way too much TV, thinking that the racism is over. Um, so these are the kind of things I'm... And, and it's just... I hope we can actually stay cognizant of new reports as they tend to happen, Subgrinch, um, because they're 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 primed to increase, right? They really are primed to increase in uh, frequency. We've always seen this from both police officers and vigilante uh, murderers. Uh, there's black men are usually killed at a rate of two to three hundred per year. Uh, black women usually between nine and twenty. Um, depending on the situation per year. Uh, but black men have always been prime target, prime big game. Appreciate the support there, E313. Uh, also, shout out to MLR on Cash App. Appreciate that. Right, But uh, we, we tend to remain big game in the imagination of much of white society. And so uh, that has not abated. And I just want you guys to keep your head on a swivel. Um, if you can... Um, secure arms uh, and self-protection uh, as legally as possible, I, I, I guess I'm supposed to say, uh, please make sure that you have whatever protection you can afford, whatever protection you can you, you can acquire uh, that best suits your situation and does not uh, put you in any more trouble, but in such manner that you can protect yourself. What's up, Dwayne? What's going on, man? Good to see you in here. Uh, so, Please be on your guard, brothers. Um, but the situation that uh, I was more concerned about, and I think some of you saw me post about it uh, elsewhere, is a um, different situation altogether, right? I mean, I, I put a post up on, on Facebook about it because um, it just really caught my attention. And... Uh, it moved me. It really did in terms of what uh, what we're dealing with. I'm trying to, here we go. I'll put this article over here. Maybe that'll allow me to pull it up. There we go. So as some of you know, I've been having some technical issues today, so I apologize. But this is the article here, right? It's the one I posted on um, on Facebook. Security guard, father of nine, 
shot and killed in Michigan after telling customer to put on face mask. This is the picture of him here. Let's see if I, okay, not really letting me enlarge that. But uh, this is Calvin Munnerlin, right? Um, he was working security at a family dollar store in Michigan. Um, and he tried to ask two incoming uh, customers to wear their masks. Um, so according to the story, Monday, Genesee County Prosecutor, Prosecutor uh, David Layton charged three suspects in the murder, Charmel Teague, 45, Larry Edward Teague, 44, and Ramonia, I don't know how to pronounce that, Ramonia Bishop, 23. So Charmel and Larry are married, and Ramonia is their son, uh, or her son at the very least. Um, and so at the time, Charmel and her daughter entered the store. Um, and so let me get to another portion of the story. All right, so officials said Charmel and her daughter went into the family dollar in Flint, Michigan, Friday afternoon. Security footage shows Munnerlin and T got into a verbal altercation after he told the woman and her daughter they needed a face mask to enter the store. Teague yelled and spit at Munnerlin, who asked her to leave the store and instructed a cashier not to serve her. Under Governor Gretchen Whitmer's executive order, everyone must wear a mask in all enclosed public spaces due to the to stem the, the spread of COVID-19. Uh, let's see. Uh, so after spitting on him, after the verbal altercation, um, she and her daughter left the store. The same vehicle they left in returned about 20 minutes later at 2.15 p.m. Two suspects, Larry Teague and Char Charmel's husband and Ramonia Bishop, her son, entered the store. Teague confronted the security guard about disrespecting his wife and Bishop fatally shot him in the back of the head. The two men then left the store. Munnerlin, 43, was transported to Hurley Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. Uh, also known as Duper, he leaves behind nine children and his wife. They set up a GoFundMe page for Munnerland. Uh, it was created a couple days ago and raised more than 30,000. Uh, they said he was a hardworking father and husband who lost his life while doing his job securing the place of business and asking all customers to wear a mask for our own safety as well as others. All right, so this is the story. Um, let me see if I can... Uh, I know there's a picture of suspects here. Last time I checked, the two of the suspects had been found. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. One of the suspects was in custody, the, the mother, and the two men had not been found yet. Um, but somebody can update me if I'm wrong about that. Right, so this is the the people here. Uh, SMB Groove One, thank you. Appreciate the support. Um, what's up, Double C? For life said, nobody's getting killed at the rate black men are being killed. No one understands what we're going through, not even black women. I agree. Right, but this is the situation at this instance, right, where this young man, uh, I mean, this, uh, this man, this father of nine, was killed arbitrarily for asking somebody to put a mask on. Now, I think this spoke to a number of deeper issues, at least for me, uh, that required some reflection. So as some of you know, uh, I made some comments about this on Facebook. And one of the things I talked about was uh, something that I think kind of goes under the radar as far as this is concerned. 
and that has to do with proxy murder. Um, so we can just jump right into it. Proxy murder basically has to do with, particularly, especially in regard to intimate partner violence, has to do with the way in which a person can use another person to commit an act of violence, particularly uh, whether it's an assault or in this case, a homicide uh, on behalf of the person who initiates that. So when we talk about intimate partner violence, obviously much of the time we're talking about men. We're talking about men and, and much of, especially America's, the West's fixation on, on intimate partner violence is on what men do to women. Um, and so, you know, much of my work has to do with bringing light to how men actually do suffer from abuse, uh, do suffer from intimate partner violence, uh, despite that uh, we're not socialized to see our own experiences that way. And often others aren't either. Even the women who are committing the acts often don't think they're doing anything wrong. Uh, the men themselves. I've had men that I've debated with who have been victims of physical violence by their spouses or intimate partners. And those very men will turn around and tell you that they have not been assaulted or abused. Much of that has to do with how we're socialized to interpret that. Right. Um, if you grow up, as women do, with movies and stories and books around their abuse, at the very least, they're trained to acknowledge it for what it is. Men are primarily trained to only see themselves as abusers. They're not generally trained to see themselves as victims. Uh, and so much of the time we don't, and we don't often know how to identify it. Um, but another aspect to this dialogue we don't talk about is proxy murder, right? Now, this is something that, um, that I think many of us are familiar with, but we don't really process it in that way. So what you'll have happen is you may have a wife or a girlfriend who will get another person to act on their behalf. Um, now, psychologist Warren Farrell talks about this, where he describes it in the, in the context of class. And one of the things he points out is that among poorer women, they will often use sex to initiate um, someone else committing an act of violence on their behalf. Among wealthier women, they'll actually use money to pay somebody to do so. Now, if somebody is caught having committed an act of violence against another man, the woman is generally not a part of the narrative, meaning that if he's caught, it's still recorded as an act of violence from one person to another. It's not generally recorded as a proxy murder or a proxy assassination, right? And so this is kind of one of the things that, that we have to look out for. You know, so that means that there are plenty of undocumented cases that are actually a result of proxy murder that tend to go under, get swept under the rug or go under the radar, right? Uh, and it's hard to classify that because again, if if someone's caught at all, it's one man committing an act of aggression against another, whether it's just uh, uh, an assault or whether it results in a homicide. So proxy murder can be a difficult one to classify, and it, it can be even more difficult to frame in the context of research. There's a lot of it, you know it's hard to accumulate data on just how many proxy murders there can be every year if nobody's caught, particularly the, the person who initiated this. And so in this instance, this woman claims that she was disrespected. She goes home, she tells her husband and her son, they come back and initiate violence and to the point of death to this security guard. Now, that in and of itself is exactly textbook proxy murder in that regard. Um, by one, and we've seen this. I mean, I've seen it even since. I mean, K through twelve. I, I, I think one of the the, the most common things you heard, uh, if a girl got angry with a guy in school, was I'm going to go get my brother, 
or my brothers or my cousins or something. And, and, and in many ways, you know, we see that for what it is, but we don't often classify it as, you know, some type of proxy assault, but that's precisely what it is. And so when you put that in the context of, you know, violence between intimate couples, or even in this context, the use of family against outside strangers, that's what you're dealing with. Now, it's one thing if you've actually been assaulted, and this is something that is beyond your immediate capability to deal with, and you go get family to help you. That's one thing. It's a whole nother thing when you're abusing that type of support to exact vengeance on anybody that you are whimsically upset about or upset with. That's a whole nother thing. And that's precisely what we have here. There's no record that I found that he laid his hands on her, that he did anything extreme, not even that he spit back at her, right? But he had to die. So at some point, we have to learn how to have conversations about the nature by which this violence takes place and who and when people can be held accountable uh, for these kinds of crimes, you know? Um, but also... I think it also speaks to the ways in which in the black community, our family structures are designed. And I think one of the things we've seen, especially since the middle part of the 20th century, is that black men um, have become in many ways um, uh, serfs, servants, if you will. Uh, we're perceived as such. We're either uh, like I say all the time, walking phalluses or unpaid bodyguards, but in this context, even uh, unpaid assassins, right? We are missiles to be assigned a task at whim much of the time. And in the gynarchal structure of our families that are often female-headed, boys and men are socialized from a very young age to operate on behalf of the women that we're told to protect. Which is ultimately ironic because one of the biggest things that I hear black women say about black men is we don't protect them, which is interesting. But even in this particular scenario, you can see that that's not the case. The father or the husband, I should say, in this dynamic, without a doubt, perceives himself as protecting his wife because that's how it was presented to him. She was disrespected and in need of some type of protection um, you know, in response. That was the nature by which he was introduced to the situation and his response was in that line. And that included the son. This is a very clear case of them operating on behalf of this woman, right? And only functioning on, only identifying with the situation based on her word, right? So that's ultimately what we're looking at. Based on her word, these two men responded. So BGS talks about Black men in the family structure as concubines. And I I agree. Uh, but I think the other dimension to that is that, you know, in many ways, we're also servants or serfs. So, I you know, I started calling them concubine serfs, but that's how black men are many times or in many ways perceived. We are the feet, we are the hands, and we are to operate on behalf of our handlers in that sense. And that's kind of how I think this situation played itself out. Right. Let me back up a little bit. See, I missed a number of chats. Um, please make sure. I think we have 152 watching on YouTube. Make sure you hit the like button. Uh, support the show if you would. Awesome. 
me back up a little. Let's see. All right. Okay, so we got James Strickland making a very interesting statement. When I ran a nightclub, the most violent situations involved men fighting based on women's initiation or by women's proxy. Absolutely. Um, right, we got Carl in here, and he says, my ex would threaten to send her brother after me. Right, this kind of thing is actually quite common. Right. Um Absolutely. And this is an interesting one, too, that maybe we'll get into in the chat. For Life says, keep in mind, actor Merlin Santana was murdered over a lie from a woman. Right? We can explore that in a little bit as well. Absolutely. Art of Forte, good to see you. Um, okay. And a couple people in here. Okay. All right, I hope it's not freezing up again. Come on. Mm. Okay, so I'm going to try and see if I can get this to unfreeze and add a couple of familiar friends to the discussion. All right, so we got uh, the esteemed Crimson Cure, Kendra D., Hi. How you doing, lady? I'm fine. Hey, you? I'm doing great, especially now that I get to hear your voice. Okay. Uh, we got BGS back back in the building. What's good, go. BGS? The evil yeah. twin. <laughs> the evil twin. Hey, game recognized game, baby. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you guys coming in. I'm having all kinds of technical difficulties tonight. It already kicked me out once, so... Um, uh, this is a little different for me. I'm not as as uh, as flexible as you two are and skilled at navigating this, but yeah, it's coming together. Sometimes with StreamYards and Chrome, they don't always agree. Yeah, that happens. I'm learning slowly but surely. All right. So, you know, we're talking about this situation with this man and 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 dealing with the family that has exacted this on him. And one of the things that I I've I was trying to get into a little bit is to kind of uh, talk about talk about black men in the family structure as the arms, the hands and the feet, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. The, the, the concubine serfs, as I'm calling them, that play a role in terms of reproduction, maybe protection and definitely enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, not always in terms of leadership. Right. But definitely in terms of enforcing even beyond what is reasonable. And I think that's definitely one of the things that happened here. Um, and so one of the first things I did when thinking about how to do this show is I wanted to reach out to Kendra because, um, you know, actually she, she was telling me she was going to do a show on it. And I said, you know what, I'd, I'd love to hear your voice on it. And I hope you wouldn't mind, you know, doing so uh, with me. And she was kind enough to agree to that. So, you know, I've, and I've been bigging her up, uh, especially lately because she's just been her man, your streams have been ridiculous lady. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about how you would come at this situation? What is it you see going on? Okay. Well, see, the first thing is we have to do 
is we have to make sure that we're using the right language. See, this particular situation has nothing to do with protection. Mm-hmm. And what the gynocracy wants from black men has nothing to do with protection. Mm-hmm. Protection, the umbrella of protection is not only is not really what you do after the fact, it's what you do before something mm-hmm. occurs. So okay. protection is in line with prevention. And when you have prevention, you have things like listening to what I say. Um, things like I'm putting certain things in place to keep other things from happening as best we possibly can. And if you follow these guidelines, you really should not be running into too much trouble at all. Now, it's not protection that they want. And we've said, oh, we've all said this before, they want attack dogs. Uh Because your dog doesn't necessarily protect you either. It reacts to whatever the situation is going occurring right now. That's what the dog does. Okay, mm-hmm. so if somebody breaks into your house, dogs will bite them after they've broken the door down. You see, mm-hmm. so that's an attack dog, and this is what the gynocracy wants from black men an attack dog literally, mm-hmm. literally something that they can say, Sick them, boy, and you will go mm-hmm. without question, without trying to ascertain whether or not the situation warrants you to be going out doing anything to anybody. Because we have a situation here uh, where this is easily, to say this was an avoidable thing is an understatement. Mm. Because here you have a woman going to a store. She's being confronted with a a rule Mm -hmm. that she knows is instated nationwide. She's not stupid. Hopefully, well, I'm going to take her back. But anyway, <laughs> she, she, she's hard-headed is what we'll, what we'll say. Okay. She doesn't think the rule applies to her. She thinks that she should have an exception to the rule that applies to everyone else. Mm. On top of not only thinking that she should have an exception, she's being handed a rule by a Black man. Mm. Somebody that is underneath her. She mm. should not be giving her any rules who mm-hmm. should not be directing or dictating anything that she does. She's the queen. So when she comes up and says she can put everybody in danger for COVID-19 without a mask, then he should be stepping aside and letting her, the special queen, come into the store without a mask when he hasn't been letting everyone else do it. So mm-hmm. because she felt her entitlement stripped, because she felt offended, this is what this is. This is the same thing. Back in the day, and, and it's and it's fitting that you call them concubines. Concubine serfs. It's fitting mm. because mm. when we go back into these medieval type era, you know, you couldn't offend nobility. Mm. You know, that uh, but that was a death sentence to offend nobility, right? Absolutely. You couldn't come up and smack a queen. You couldn't see. You couldn't even look funny at mm. the king and the queen and the duchess and the whoever the hell. So, excuse me. I don't know. I'm start the heated the the group is getting heated. Okay. So you know you 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 couldn't do that. And so this is the same mindset, right? You can't tell me what to do. I am the nobility here. I am the one that's on top here. Mm-hmm. You're underneath me. You don't get to dictate to me and give me any orders. Whether those orders come from another entity above you, which in this case would be the CDC and the government or whatever. 
So she goes back. Now we've got two situations that could have occurred. We 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 the first one is she goes back and tells a lie mm. about what happened. Mm-hmm. Or her significant other is just as unintelligent as she is and reactionary as she is. Mm. Now, the first one is more believable to go somewhere. And because he wasn't there, he doesn't know what transpired. Mm -hmm. So she goes home in a fit and tells him whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. Possibly heavily embellishing the story. Mm. And saying that this man did something or said something way more than what he may have actually done or said. Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine any other way to whip a man up into such a state where he basically heads right out mm. back to confront a man that you are saying has done you some type of ill or wrong. Okay. Right. right. To such an extent that he was willing to basically end up with this man's blood on his hand to murder this man mm-hmm. who offended the queen. Mm. Okay, because remember, offending nobility is a death sentence. So this is what actually transpired. And a lot of people won't see it that way, but that's exactly what happened. And and, and it's a perfect example, although an, an unfortunate example of what a lot of times happens in these situations where these these females go and say, this happened to me. This person did that. This person said that to me. This person, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and then whip whip your significant other up, your husband, your boyfriend, your brother, your father, whoever it is around you, whatever man it is around you that you think that should be your attack dog, You go whip him into a frenzy where he goes and acts. And I'm going to say this and I'm going to be quiet because I'm really interested in what BGS has to say also. Mm -hmm. Um, And this speaks to not only not knowing how men process information, but not caring how they process information. Mm. Because you can't, you can't as a woman tell a man, Someone did something to you unless you want something done to that man. Mm. And only to that extent do they understand how men process that type of information because they do want something to happen to that man. Mm. But the problem and the disconnect is in a female's mind. Many times she's not thinking she wants the other man to quote unquote die. She's just thinking maybe she wants him beat up or something else. But men interpret certain stuff way different than women do. And if he's going to strike out to confront another grown man, the possibility that this could escalate to that degree has already crossed his mind. Mm -hmm. So and it's for this reason, like with my first husband, I was I watched what I told him. Right. about what happened outside. I didn't come home and say, oh, what this guy said. No, 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 because he's going to react to that. Some guy did what to my wife? Mm-hmm. I got to redress that situation. And mm-hmm. I don't know how he's going to redress that situation. And I can't dictate how he takes it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and be quiet. 
Well, no, and, and I think what you're saying is incredibly important because you're talking about taking responsibility for the men in your life. Because, you know, if it's his duty to protect you, you have to be mindful of how, how to exact that, how to push that, when to do it, in what situations and to what extent. And um, and that's not some that's actually something I was going to ask you about a little bit earlier, because I've noticed in other cultures, that's a serious that's a serious thing that people that women in particular take time to reflect upon before mm-hmm. they engage. Right. It, it. What do you think is different about our culture where that may not be happening to that degree? What do you think is the difference? Oh, I don't need a man mm-hmm. until I need him to attack. The, the men are not uh, worth anything. See, the women are in other cultures understand the worth and the value of their men. Mm. So they are not ready to just throw their men's lives away, okay. whether that's to be, um, uh, as Ice Cube put it, you know, judged by 12 or carried by six. Mm-hmm. Not really willing to push those buttons because they know once you push it, there's no turning back. You don't, you don't, once we send men out on that, that's like shooting an arrow from a boat. You, you don't get that back. They're gone. You, you, Whatever they've decided is the resolution for that, that's mm-hmm. going to happen to the best of their ability. And you're not going to be able to talk him down out of that because you talked him up to it. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the considerations that I had as a wife. And that, and that to me was a form of protection to n- not only my uh, previous husband, but my father, my brothers, I was careful of mm-hmm. what I told them mm-hmm. because if you tell them the wrong thing, you think it's something small and he don't take it that way. I've made that mistake. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, babe. I was at the store and some guy said such and such. What store were you at? Huh? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. store? Where right. was it? Right. What did he look like? What mm-hmm. did he have on? And it's like, okay, I don't need you to go out trying to find this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that serious. Yeah, so why'd you tell me? You know, it is that serious. If some guy walks up to you and did what? That No, that's serious. Because if I was there, it would have been a problem. So it's always like, oh, okay. So now I can't just be running my mouth and saying, oh, this guy did this and this person did this because he's, he's interpreting that story not as a frivolous story. He's interpreting that as my woman that I'm responsible for was out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there to physically oversee this situation. Mm-hmm. Something happened in my absence. She comes home to tell me something happened in my absence that I don't like. Right. Now I got to figure out how am I going to address that whole situation because mm-hmm. it's got to be addressed somehow now. And so it was like, okay, I value my the men in my life. I don't want them going to jail or confronting some person. I don't know what that other man is capable of. I don't know what he does. I don't know who he knows. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. So I don't want to place him in a situation where he's confronting someone and then he dies. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Or, or or he does something to that other person. Now he's got a he's got a trial now. You know, he's got to go to jail now because, you know, it wasn't self-defense and, you know, saying and all of this kind of stuff. And now I'm in a situation where I I never should have said that. Yeah, you never should have sent put that battery in his back. Don't do that. But in in that uh, and I want to get BGS in here in in a quick second. I want to say it just reminded me the power of that reminded me of what happened with Maya Angelou 
uh, when she was young. I don't know how many have, have heard the story where uh, she was assaulted and some suggest raped, I believe, by a man. And she let her, I think it was her father, she let the men of the community know. Um, and he came up missing. That's that's how it was put forth to me. He came up missing. And when she found out that he did, uh, the, the power of her word shocked her to such a degree that she stopped speaking for a good portion of time. Because the way she processed that as a young girl was that her word to cost somebody their lives. But to the men in her family, the men that care for her, um, that's protection, right? But there's a great deal of power that comes with that protection. And if you're not a steward of that power, um, you know, you, it, it can be abused very easily. BGS, what thoughts do you have about this, man? Um, it is uh, part of the matriarchy, part of the gynocracy. And uh, as Kendra was saying, a lot of uh, black women see their men as disposable. Mm -hmm. as disposable, as, as disposable units, like... Um, if you look at the wire uh, 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 with Naaman's mother, um, sent him out on the block to sell drugs, to make money for the family, mm -hmm. even though he was, what, 13, 14 years old. If he goes to jail, he's a disposable unit. Mm. Mm. And a lot of uh, black women look at men at that way. Like you say, uh, insert man here. Right. And I've seen that a lot. Uh, a guy that... Um, uh, well, uh, goes a woman goes with a drug dealer. He, he goes out on the block, sell drugs. He brings back the money. She has a baby for him. He goes to prison. He, she she just goes out and get another guy, take his mm. place. Mm. And just and just to provide some clarity, when I talked about insert man here, I was talking about in the 1990s on the dating scene when I would mm -hmm. meet women, and it was it was like. They didn't know my name. They didn't know what I did. It was just a matter of they had their lives a certain way and mm -hmm. they just needed a man mm -hmm. to play a very distinct role. And we were almost interchangeable in the way that I would hear multiple women describing what they mm -hmm. wanted from mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. but, but you're absolutely right, because when we start to add on to that and we start having experiences where I'm reflection on, reflecting on family, when I'm reflecting on uh, all kinds of different situations, I noticed it was the same idea that men were disposable and interchangeable. So as we talk about, for example, um, you know, the, the, the increased number of single parent households, um, it's not surprising to think of us moving to a, you know, damn near a hundred percent single parent households because we've been moving like that in avalanche fashion for decades to the degree where men are just, you know, interchangeable mm -hmm. stepfathers and, uh, a semen donators, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, there's no way that you could have this many uh, uh, one sixth of your men in prison or jail, uh, one third of your men have records without the acquiescence of the females. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, um, uh, most guys selling drugs or someplace else like that, they don't have a, a, a name on the deed, they don't have a, a name on the rental agreement. They, they live with some woman and they're actually uh, helping some woman's uh, household by going out there and selling drugs and stuff like that for the vast majority of the guys out there. Mm -hmm. Corner boys who live in their mother's house or their aunt's house or their grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they and they fully well know that what the uh, what these little boys or these young men are doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I also hear black men talk about it even in terms of things like marriage, like to, and, and you and I have talked about this BGS in mm -hmm. terms of going from being your mother's son to mm -hmm. being a woman's husband. Mm 
Yes. And watching how both mothers and new wives will talk about the men, the, the, the husband, the son, almost like a transference of property. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and I can say I even saw this in my own family. There would be points where my mother would call my wife and say, how is he acting? Mm -hmm. How is he doing? She wouldn't call and ask me, how does it feel to be married or what's going on in married life for you? She would call my wife. Mm -hmm. How is he behaving? How is he acting? How is he behaving? Right. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of behavior of, of, of handlers, of managers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it, it, even in that context, I noticed this kind of disposability, uh, this kind of serfdom. And I like the way uh, Kendra kind of combined those conky serfs. That works for me mm -hmm. because that's what I see. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, the matriarch is the most dominant force in, in the black community. Um, um, even when, when they say, uh, like, uh, we go to the uh, young man, CJ, who actually got his law degree. OK, the women got upset because he's simply because he said he was a prize. Mm. Simply said he's the most important factor in his life. He's not there to serve some woman. Some woman's there to serve him. They got upset. And Kevin Samuels delved into that a little bit earlier today, and, and he he just pointed out that C.J. Uh, King just he just stated facts. He just he stated uh, facts about the percentages of, of single men, mm -hmm. about the viability of a certain population in terms of employment and income. That's all he did. And he said, out of that framework, based on what women have said over the decades, I am the one that's in demand. The mere statement of that mm -hmm. people took offense to. Just, yeah. the, just the fact that he said it was enough, because at the end of the day, if you're supposed to be subservient and you're mm -hmm. supposed to play a role as an extension of her, who mm -hmm. are you to, to identify your worth? Yeah. Who are you to say that? Yeah. How, how dare you uh, vie for your independence? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But we can listen to soliloquies on Black Girl Magic and, you know, all day. And, and we can watch women talk about what they own, what kind of jobs they work, what kind of property they have, what kind of trips they're taking and how accomplished they are. And that's acceptable. But you're not supposed to do that. No, you're not. You, you, you're supposed to. It's not your place. It's not the order of things. And mm -hmm. uh, and that has been around since uh, emancipation. So mm. it's not unusual. And basically, you see men act that way because just as many men attack the brother, too. Mm. Because yeah. it's not, he was out of order for not because what he did, not because of his facts, it's because he said he was the prize. That was actually the, the key thing that he said, mm. which, which garnered him all that hate. He actually knew it was coming his way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you're out of order. But that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's common, you know. Um, he and he almost apologized that. at the beginning. He said, don't don't kill me in the comments. Mm -hmm. He knew it, that it was coming. He knew it was coming. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to speak up and say, this is what I've accomplished. And and I rather wish he did it and, and you know, just didn't care about the backlash. Altogether. <laughs> don't apologize for it. Don't qualify it. Look, this is what I've achieved. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he anticipated it because he's seen it before. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it, it it carries through from from him at the top all the way down to this brother at the bottom, actually uh, going out and actually enacting in, in uh, vengeance because um, his handler told him to do it. Yeah. 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 But what also can come with that is is a kind of dismissal of that reality. I mean, look, I, I think I, I think how old is CJ? I think CJ was what, 24 or something like that? CJ King? Yeah, something like twenty. I think he was under. I think like twenty. He's under thirty. He's under yeah. thirty, though, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I would say, 
by the time I was 21, I had three degrees, including a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had become a professor at 21. And one of the things I noticed, again, going back to the dating scene, so it's been a while, you know, I'm talking about the 1990s, but even at that time, one of the things I noticed is you couldn't really talk about your accolades and be received well. But then the, the other question was the goalposts would keep getting moved in terms mm-hmm. of, of being able to state your um, your value as a man. The goalposts will get moved. So it, so when you say, well, I have a master's, I have a doctorate, then the question became, well, where did you get it from? Mm-hmm. What field are you in? How much are you getting paid? As opposed to I've accomplished these things, does this not now make me desirable? You know, if you're, I'm over six feet, I've got a professional degree, I make X amount of money, and I noticed the goalposts would get moved. I've had, even my, I've had women tell me you don't make enough, but I make twice as much as she does, mm-hmm. but it's not enough. I've doubled the number of degrees she has, but it's not enough. And there's an almost indignant frustration with the fact that I can point those things out. In other words, her inherent worth is worth more than whatever you can produce. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it doesn't really matter what you achieve. You're lucky to be in the situation with her. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of, you know, that's the kind of discussion that I hear. And, And so it kind of brings us to this point where we know this is happening. But few of us want to say it out loud because we know the backlash. Mm-hmm. And I think C.J. King is a perfect example of that kind of backlash. Even this situation with Munnerlyn, who was killed at this dollar store, um, one of the very first people that shared the article from my page after she read my commentary. So in my commentary, I'm saying that even this situation debunks the notion that black men don't protect black women, even if it's unjust. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that that proxy violence occurs, even though we don't have very min- much data about it. I'm saying all of these things about it. If one, one of the first, you know, feminists to, to repost it from my page, she said, well, you're going to see some people who are going to, some men who are going to try and make this a gender thing, but that's not important. And I thought about that. I said, wow. In any other situation where a woman is violated by men, mm-hmm. you know, they have no problem talking about the violation and victimization of women, nor should they. But why is it a problem when men actually start to point out that they themselves can be victims, especially in a context that most of us don't know how to talk about proxy violence? But we've all seen it since childhood. I mean, this is no different than the little girl on the playground saying, I'm going to get my brother to beat you mm-hmm. up. To beat you up. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, you I think all black men have heard that uh, a brother, a boyfriend, a father, uh, 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 uncle to actually come and get you because you displease them in some uh, way, my own uh, my my baby's mother tried to get her father to actually come threaten me mm. because uh, we got into an argument. Mm. She threatened mm. me with her father. <laughs> right, and you're not often going to be privy to what she tells your father, her father. But no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kendra, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just chiming in and says, see an attack dog, mm-hmm. and that's what she's supposed to be. That's what the men in her life are supposed to be because you aren't really people. You're not human beings. It's a, you're, you're just here to serve. This is why we say, and you all are aware of this, this is why we say they're the other side of uh, the, the white supremacy coin. Mm-hmm. Because this is basically a Jim Crow type of situation where 
you're not, you know, you're not necessarily slaves, but you might as well be because we're going to treat you like that anyway. Uh, You know, you got your so-called freedom papers, but we get to tear them up when we want to. And this is why, you know, they don't like spaces like these and conversations like these, uh, because what happens is we're creating an environment where their approval doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what they've been banking on. Oh, well, what school did you go to? And then you get to running off your accolades in an attempt to appease and get her approval and get her sign off as if her sign off means anything mm. to anything. You mm. know, you're the one who, you know, went to school and put those hours in and did those exams and got frustrated and came back to it and spent those nights up all night, you know what I'm saying? When you could have been partying, but you were responsible. So you studied instead, you know, and all of these, all of these sorts of things, you went through all of that. And so you didn't go through that to get somewhere where some chick that can't spell, you know what I'm saying, certain words and, and, and get confused at words with more than three syllables to try to downplay what you have and what you've done. And so, but our men have been trained to seek her approval at every level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His manhood is completely wrapped up in whether or not she thinks it's good enough. And Mm -hmm. see, the trick bag is that it never is. And Mm -hmm. this, this is what I was saying on the other day on the Black Brain Trust channel, because they had a lady on there who was talking all that jazz, you know, about, you know, about Mr. Uh, C.J. King and, and this and that. And I was like, listen, he basically did a Namalt argument. Not all men. <laughs> <laughs> he basically did that. He basically said, OK, I don't fit in any of those derogatory negative boxes. Mm-hmm. I have actually gone ahead and checked every box that you said I had to check as a man to be viable as a man. Okay, so now that I've checked that, what about me? Mm-hmm. And the gynocracy gave him a resounding flipping of the bird mm-hmm. by telling him, it doesn't matter what you did, you're yeah. still a crap because yeah. you, you had the audacity to say it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're in their feelings about that is because he now is in a position to present standards mm-hmm. and they're not going to be able to live up to any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> and that, 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 that is the first thing. In fact, the uh... Uh, the, the the woman that she wrote the article for Madame Noir that she started all this this big uh, kerfuffle. Um, she actually started off by saying that uh, men like uh, these that have egos uh, and that are in this position are hard to date mm. because they do have uh, requirements. Mm-hmm. She actually said that in her opening paragraph. Mm. Because they have requirements. Because they have requirements. Because they think highly of themselves. Who are you to do that? Who are you to do that? And that's what she was saying. That's what the whole article was about. Kendra, you you said something in one of your last streams that I've got to put up. It was almost one of the last sentences um, in your stream. And uh, let me see. I'm trying to. Oh, I guess I stopped it. Let me share the screen again. 
I had to I had to put it up because it was just ridiculous. Okay, so I don't know if you can see that. Um, oh man, how does it? Why does it disappear? Is that just? I don't uh, know what I did. There oh, if, if yeah, if you if you hit uh, unshare, then I'll do it. But I didn't think I did. But any, okay, but you know, for those who can't see it, you said the other reason why these conversations and you were talking about with black men and women don't go anywhere, and probably the most important of the reasons is your program not to listen to black men. Mm-hmm. We as a group of women are programmed not to hear them. We're programmed to understand that black men don't have anything worthy to say. They don't know that they're what they're talking about. All that information is false, made up. And because of that, there is no reason to listen to them. That's actually part of the programming. Yes, I yes. actually stood up and saluted when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I realized in the moment I heard you say it, outside of a couple of rare people, I've really never seen that kind of straightforward honesty in, in, that, in that fashion. And mm. it, I, to me, it still speaks to what we're talking about here. But it was just really straightforward. And I can't say that I've met a, 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 a black woman, especially in person, that I knew say that. I may have seen it in, in a book that somebody, you know, mm-hmm. may have written, but that was about it. I'd never known anyone who'd said that directly. You yeah. blew me out of my chair, sis. <laughs> I think I blew a couple of people. First of all, I'm honored and thank you for posting that. Uh, because I actually wanted to go in that route for the whole live stream. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you know how the twin mind works. It, it, it One one wants to say this one and the other wants to say that. And at the end, it was actually LaShawn that said something in the chat that made me say, oh, yeah. About <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. The programming part. Yeah, forgot about that part. Yeah. Um, and we are programmed to. You know, not listen to you guys. You guys don't have anything worthy to say. And we don't care what level you've reached. We can go to a medical doctor. And if the doctor is a black guy, mm-hmm. we'll feel like uh, he's not a good doctor. You know, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't know as much mm-hmm. as, as maybe the, the Indian guy or the mm-hmm. Asian guy uh, or what have you. And, and, and it's not just the women who are programmed like that. See, I was talking about that before. We're, we're all programmed with it. Yes. Now it plays out in different ways, but I mean, we all programmed with it because it wasn't just women who were attacking CJ. Right, right. Women, there were men who mm-hmm. were like, you know, and, and in the example that I showed in uh, the other live stream where the, the other guy was saying, I want to be more than just a provider, I want to be regarded as a person. You had a whole lot of guys, oh, he's weak, you know. Uh, even even uh, somebody showed up in my chat talking that crazy stuff. And I'm mm. like, OK, I'm not, and that's actually what made me go on a rant because it was like, OK, no, we're not going to do that in this space. We are not going to make men ashamed to say he doesn't want to be a utility mm. and wants to be a person. We're not going to say that that's weak because we don't call women weak when they say, oh, I just want, I don't want to be just a sex object to a man. I want him to love me for me. We don't shame them for that. Mm-hmm. And this will be the same chick with an OnlyFans. Mm. Talk about she doesn't want her man Right. 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 So we're not going to shame guys into saying he doesn't just want to be, and he never said he wasn't going to be a provider. He just said he didn't want to only be Right. A provider. He didn't want to only be seen as mm-hmm. a help to someone else. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, that's masculinity. And I always say, 
the first people who should be benefiting from his, a man's masculinity is himself wow. first. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's why. That's why the uh, the hashtag get the bag uh, uh, theme that was circulated in one social media over the last year or so was so offensive to a lot of black men, mm. especially upwardly mobile black men. Mm-hmm. They're seen as a bag, as a as a uh, as a cash cow, rather well, than a man. And what we're and we're really what we're talking about is objectification. The, mm-hmm. the problem is that we've been told, especially in these university classes, that objective objectification that you know that happens on gender grounds can only happen to women mm-hmm. and so it objectification becomes synonymous with sexism it becomes synonymous with uh you know seeing women as just a sexual utility but we don't often have the language to actually look at the ways that men have been objectified for centuries i mean it's not new yeah well it's not well, a black, new dynamic well black men have been seen as a sexual utility for uh, 200 years absolutely Absolutely. But you know, we ourselves don't know how to talk about that in many instances. We, we Because we take pride in it. It's part yes. of our identity. Yes. In fact, we shame each other for not uh, being a sex object to, to, to women. Mm. You mm. know, here, here in the manuscript, we shame each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can't, you can't get women. You're not, women are not attracted to you. You can't sleep with a thousand women. Okay? You're mm-hmm. not a sex object. So you get shamed for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we compete with each other in some instances to see mm. who can be the best object. Yeah, best object, best utility, who can uh, be the best provider, best protector, mm-hmm. you know, best uh, best gamesman, best sex object. Mm-hmm. All in reference to women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's gotten so common. It's it's, you know, especially from birth. If this is how you're socialized, you know, at, at, at your, your mother's teeth, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I go back to the two the two men that came uh, to assault and kill this 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 security guard, mm-hmm. you know, because I had somebody come into the comments and say, well, it's not that serious. Uh, it's, it's really not her fault. It's just these men were stupid and one of them was dumb enough to pull the trigger. Well, I'm not suggesting that that's that he's not uh, a problem what i'm saying is when you've been socialized not only in terms of your mother but also in terms of the extended family mm-hmm. when you've been socialized to be a tool mm-hmm. you know in that fashion in that gendered fashion where you are an attack dog as Ken, as kendra put mm-hmm. it when your mother comes home your wife comes home and says this guy's you know d- disrespected me it's a whole different level of response and for some reason, we can we can talk about people who have been socialized or trained or sometimes we might even say brainwashed over decades. We can talk about that when it comes to other groups. But if you're a son or a father or a mm-hmm. husband, well, now we can't talk about that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I watch people go through all kinds of mental gymnastics to excuse her part of the dynamic, which is already standard, because in these kind of scenarios, women don't often go to jail. And even if they are punished by the law, we already have documented data that suggests that they they receive 60 percent less sentences for committing the same crimes as men. And in this Mm -hmm. instance, she didn't pull the trigger. She initiated the dialogue or initiated the the situation. So if she does any jail time, it's 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 likely not going to be on the same scale. I mean, hell, I talked about in the last show, the instance where the woman shot her her man in the face and Mm -hmm. she was out on bail. A week, what is it? A week later, she was out on bail. He was still in the hospital. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know I mean? A few days, a few days later, she was out on yeah. bail. Because we don't process these kind of things in that way. We do not deal with uh, female acts of evil well. We don't deal with female violence well. We categorize it as something other than what it is. And men are socialized from birth to act out in certain ways and not reflect upon it. And we, mm-hmm. we, we've we been taught to think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and and women cash in on men's deaths, black men's deaths all the time, whether it's by the hands of the police, uh, hands of uh, you know, uh, an assistant by you going to uh, uh, getting killed for selling drugs or doing any other kind of thing. Women cash in all the time. Mm. You know, black, especially black women, they cash in all the time. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've had girlfriends wanting me to go out and sell drugs. Wow. Encouraged. Wow. I, I, I noticed it also a few years ago with the. Um, when it was popular in the news for young black males to be killed, uh, it was still often about their utility to others. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, for older black males, did, were they able to leave behind life insurance? For the younger ones, were, was their death able to create enough social equity to help mm-hmm. them, you know, start nonprofits or even get into politics? You started to see the utility of black male death, mm-hmm. you know, very clear cut. I mean, even to spawn organizations like Black Lives Matter, much of it was predicated on the utility of black male deaths. And those deaths were talked about enough to get attention, but then the conversation was baited and switched to other topics that had very little to do with black males themselves. Yeah, so you didn't yeah. often get elbows deep into what black males grapple with. Yeah, I played a video of a young lady uh, uh, on, I think she was on Instagram, and uh she was actually hosting a, a call-in show for, for dating tips. And uh, a young lady actually called in, just had a baby, and her uh, on dating tips. She's looking for a replacement for her husband while he's in the ICU. Mm. In mm. other words. Oh, she, I did see that. Yeah. 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 Wow. And she need. I have to have a replacement in case he dies. And but was I lo- surprised but I lo- when she was called out on it. I was surprised when she called out on it because it's so normal. She wasn't supposed to speak that out loud. They mm-hmm. do it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. embarrassing to let that out uh, out, out in public. Right. Because uh, the thing is, she saw it so normally. I know she's seen it in her life. It's so normal to her. She actually winked at it and said, you know, we have to have another one in the chamber. Mm. You know, we have to have a, a backup. And uh, what are you tripping about? That's what that's what uh, her, uh, her, uh, her, her, her thought was. It's no mm. big deal. We do this all the time. Why are you tripping? Right. Right. That was their attitude. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I've seen this countless times. And women have told me that, um, that they're married and they, they need a side dude. And I asked some why. I said, we always have more than one, have to have more than one hole. You know, wow. Every rabbit has to have more than one hole to go into. I wow. can't tell you how many times I've heard that. But uh, this is this is not uncommon. And uh, one thing that Kendra said about uh, about uh, black women being trained not to listen to uh, black men. Um, I have a, 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 a mentor. She counsels uh, men and women in dating and in, in marriage. Right. That's her. That's what she got a doctorate in in counseling. Right. Mm-hmm. And and especially if you have a group session. Right. Uh, the women will say something. They will give their side. The men will give their their point of view. And the men, women, black women, will actually interrupt them and say that's not what they mean. Mm. 
and they will reinterpret their words. Mm. I, I see. I, I got a witness. <laughs> <laughs> Speak on it. Speak on it. No, I'm. I was just. I ain't got nothing to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> that is. That is very. I mean, you see. You see it play out. Say you see a uh, a black couple. Um. Uh. We've seen this in in celebrity black couples where where the woman will do all the talking. And the man will be silent and and the man will start out explaining something and then the woman will interrupt and interpret his words for him you know what that that play out so much in public like okay even on television mm-hmm. uh, i don't really watch this show but every once in a while i guess because of what we talk about it'll come up in the recommendations like it's some little show i i guess it's either on own i guess it's on own Mm-hmm. Where it's like the celebrity couple, blah blah blah, and I did like a clip from it one time, mm-hmm. um, just recently actually. And um, Benzino is on the show, mm-hmm. and so when he began to talk, he, he's the only one that has the wherewithal to be mad mm-hmm. at what goes on, right? Like, like he'll actually get upset about it and like say. Mm-hmm. Like so he'll speak his mind, and so they don't. It's so disruptive. He's disruptive when he gets upset at his wife for saying and doing the things that she says and does, because she does a lot of gaslighting, a lot of BS. Wow. And um, and so you know, as long as he's quiet and letting her say whatever she's saying, mm-hmm. don't try to be patient with it, even though everybody knows it's BS. And uh, the moment that he starts speaking up and said, well, no, it's not like that. It's more like this. And uh, well, well, we're going to let her finish. And, you know, well, I think what he means to say, no, 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 no. He's intelligent enough to say what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need you to come along and woman interpret, Mm -hmm. you know, do a little, you know, interpret it from English to hyena ease. So (laughs) everyone can understand, like, we don't need that. And I noticed that a lot. And like someone said in the chat room, Boris Kojo, you know, he sat there pretty much silently, you know, and a lot of these men, even um, uh, the, the man that uh, Tina Knowles was married to. Uh, I was thinking mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Was saying, he was sitting there like, wait a minute, what did she say? And he kind of looked over like, what did you just say? And, <laughs> and but, you know, and he was like silent. And, you know, they take the silence. I think as a weakness, the silence is, I think, more about let me not make that scene right here mm-hmm. in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you say what you're saying. But if but I don't you're going to get you're going to hear this after that camera is off. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear this. now the the more unfortunate ones is when they don't hear it when the camera's off. And it's mm-hmm. like, OK, well, we're just going to let that slide because. You know, a lot of black men don't know when they're being verbally and emotionally abused. They don't know when they, they don't know when it's happening because it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's normal for the disrespect to happen in such an off offhanded, nonchalant sort of way mm-hmm. that uh, you can actually disrespect a black man and he actually won't raise his eyebrow unless it gets really, really overt. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as it's subtle sort of, mm-hmm. they'll kind of let it slide. Just like on that show I was just referring to, 
uh, in the clip that I did, actually, it was Spinderella and her husband, and she mm -hmm. was saying some really disrespectful stuff about how everything goes through her and everything's about her and blah, 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 blah. And mm -hmm. one of the other guys was like, well, if she had said that like that and I was her man, I wouldn't be offended. And I'm thinking, that's mm -hmm. you don't even know that that's offensive. Mm -hmm. Like what she's saying is offensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's sort of what I was saying the other day. When, I think it was last night when I was uh, talking about why these uh, conversations have to go on in this space. Uh, and because it, it was like I was, I was on another panel and they were like, well, why do we keep talking about what's going on? It's because, yeah, we can see what it is, but we have to keep going over these topics because there are a lot of black men that don't know it's disrespectful. Right. You don't know they're being abused. That certain stuff is verbal abuse. Certain mm -hmm. stuff is emotional abuse. You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of people that that email me for advice and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. One uh, young man, I'm I'm never gonna put their names out there, but uh, you know he had a situation, and I had to say, you're being emotionally abused. Wow. In this relationship, right? Realize that. Because as he was saying, well, this is being said to me, this is being said to me, this is being done here and there. And mm. it's like, okay, this is emotional abuse though. And I'm sensitive to it because I've been emotionally abused as a child. So mm. I'm highly sensitive to that. So I know it when I see it. I know it when I hear about it. And it's like, okay, I just, you, you do what you want to do in this relationship. I'm not here to say that you should break it off or that you shouldn't. That's up to you and your happiness. But I'm letting you know mm -hmm. you're being emotionally abused. Yeah, right. and I think you know, I was uh, uh, I, I was saying that um, that this is just a typical mothering uh, 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 process that Black women have. Mm. That's why it's so normal mm -hmm. for a mother to call us names or take us down a couple of pegs or uh, speak harshly to us. That's just normal to us because, especially the Black men. So when we get we get older, um, we look for a woman that actually expresses that. So we get a woman that doesn't do it; she seems abnormal. Right. I right. mean, comedians tell that joke all the time about uh, the, the 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 white boy that talks back to his mother and mm -hmm. maybe curses his mother out and throws temper tantrums and his, his you know his mother's like a little shrinking writer. Oh my God, I don't know what to do with little Billy. <laughs> and uh and and, and the little black boy is like he's he, he's in morbid fear that that the friend is gonna get murdered on the spot, right? Right. <laughs> and that's just a different uh dynamics between a black household and a white household. <laughs> you know, even if you look at uh uh look at the uh the, the Cosby show, okay. It wasn't Cliff that was the, the, the uh enforcer right. as far as discipline. Right. It was wow. it was Mrs. Huxtable, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she was comfortable in speaking harshly to her children or mm -hmm. fussing at even Cliff, you know. Mm -hmm. But that that is their mothering style. Mm -hmm. So this is just reflective of their mothering style. So when a when a woman gets married to you, a black woman gets married to you, she's just mimicking what she saw her mother do. And you're mimicking accepting it because that's what you grew up accepting. I mean, exactly. I, I think about that scene um, in Jungle Fever, what they call the war council scene, right? Mm -hmm. Where all, all the women got together and talked mm -hmm. about their frustrations and mm -hmm. men. 
And one of the things I noticed about it, even though in the scene it was all women talking amongst each other, I realized I grew up watching that. Mm-hmm. As a little boy and you know, at home, you grow up seeing it. You're the kid sitting in the room or walking back and forth getting a glass, or like you grow up around that. So by the time you're an adult and you see your girl or your wife or whatever, and she's engaged in that, it's nothing new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It raised in my children, basically, it was me against the <laughs> against the matriarchy, right? Because mm-hmm. I want I you know, I had uh directed i find a, a directed for my addressing for my children to go whether it's school whether it's work or something like that and then uh they would just uh cut me out okay they would the women would get together and they'd huddle up and they'd figure out what to do with the child and what you just said was null and void mm-hmm. and this was a constant pushback between me and the children until something went wrong mm. okay when when their plan didn't work and then right. all of a sudden like a year later year and a half later then they you know, bgs um uh, remember that plan you told us about two years ago that we ignored? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to need that right now. Mm-hmm. So now we need you to come in and clean up this mess that we just made. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kendra. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, it, it, a lot of the, the, the young men that I've worked with who've gotten a little bit older, they've graduated and we've stayed in contact. They'll call and tell me stories about sisters with sons, cousins mm-hmm. with sons, and the role they wanted to play in those sisters' sons' lives, their nephews or little cousins' lives, the male cousins, the roles they wanted to play, they were often not allowed to mm-hmm. at five, six, seven, eight years old. Now, he's 15, 16, 17, in and out of trouble, and now the phone call is made. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember what you wanted to do a decade ago with him? Can you mm-hmm. come do it now? Mm-hmm. Can you come fix this now? Right. I even had a colleague that ran a, a rite of passage mm-hmm. where he worked with boys in Southern California right. for years and trying to get. And the biggest problem he said he had was mothers who would bring in their sons and say, we need you know, he's just too far gone. Need you to fix him. And then when he would try to work with them, as soon as the boys would get uncomfortable and complain to the mothers, mm-hmm. the mothers would come back and say, well, you're being too harsh or you need to do it this way or take him out of the program altogether. Mm-hmm. And and he'd be looking at this like you've already brought him in a situation where he's had too much of what you're giving him. And when I'm trying to help, you're going to dictate to me how to help a little boy. Mm-hmm. And then if he doesn't like it, then you're going to take him out. And he would keep in contact and find out what would happen with the boys that were pulled out. And many, much of the time, it's pretty much what you would expect. They in and out, they got in and out of trouble, dropped out of school, you name it. Right. But the mm-hmm. dynamic of allowing men to participate on their own terms was not even a consideration. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Kendra. Oh, no, 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 please. No, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say I experienced that when I was raising my son, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, uh, once he started to come live with us, he was like about, I want to say about 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, uh, my late husband was there. So I was like, all yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's all yours. Mm-hmm. I'm not really very going to be very hands off because he has to know about masculinity mm-hmm. and he has to know about being a man and so uh i would always they were like glue to each other mm-hmm. and anytime i was somewhere they you know he was always going somewhere where there was a bunch of men mm-hmm. you know and doing whatever the men did you know what i'm saying wherever uh and so 
my mother would be like, well, where's where's he talking about my my son? And mm-hmm. they'd be like, well, he's with my husband. Well, you know, they're always over here. And what's going on with them? And, you know, he told me that it was a situation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's fine. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to uh, uh, oversee. You're not in a position to raise him. So I don't need your input. Mm-hmm. Your input is not necessary. And and she actually was highly offended when I told her that uh no, you can't you can't even weigh in in your on your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. I've got this. This is my son, I'm raising him, me and my husband are raising him. Mm-hmm. We've got it. And he is going to be in male spaces mm-hmm. with men learning about masculinity because you almost ruined him. Because it was just her and like at it, it, it one point it was just her and me and my sister and him. So there's too many females. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then after I left, it was her and my sister and him. Again, too many females. And uh, she always kept up mess with my dad. So she never wanted him to go with my dad and do stuff. And so he was kind of a, a shy boy. He kind of had, you know, he didn't really know about his masculine energy. And and at once I got him, I'm like, no, 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 we got to get you out of that. Mm-hmm. We got to get you out of that masculine energy. I'm going to put you with my husband and y'all go and do whatever the heck men do. And he would take him out of town. And he and she had like a problem with that. Oh, they're going out of town and it's just him. And you didn't go with him. And she would address me mm-hmm. as if I was supposed to be the authority over it. Yeah. Right. And what I had to let her know is that unlike your failed household, where you were somehow in charge of it and uh, it failed, my household doesn't do that. Mm. My husband is the authority here, not Mm. me. And so if he says he's going to go out of town and he's taking that boy with him, he's taking that boy with him. I'm not going to be able to stop that. And, uh, and and I don't want to stop it because he's not going to do anything. He's not going to allow anything to happen to him. They're not going to be hurt. They're not going to be, you know what I'm saying? Nothing's going to happen. He's going to come back like he always does and they're going to have fun. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and he's going to enjoy the fact that he was able to go somewhere and learn how to be a man and be a man. And right. without some woman somewhere hovering and trying to, you know, uh, but don't let him do that. Well, 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 don't let him do that. And, you know, mm-hmm. because he was a severe asthmatic. And she's like, well, he's got asthma. I'm like, no, that's no reason to baby him. He's a he's going getting into being a man. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a man with asthma. There are adult males with asthma. Okay, right. and they know how to be men. So I'm not going to do that. And then it was she like kind of didn't understand why. I wasn't like taking an authoritative mm-hmm. role overseeing over my husband and mm-hmm. the the men in my house. I'm like, no, that's how yours failed. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna do mine like that. We're gonna succeed over here. So, mm-hmm. but you yeah. know what, what's interesting about that is you got approached from one handler who assumed you were a handler as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, 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 and you by not by denying that. She had no way to go with you. She didn't know how to process that. You know, I, I'd, I'd had a, a similar experience with my late wife when we moved to Fresno. Um, you know, one of the ways I, you know, I, I let her know this was the best career move for me to make at this time. But mm-hmm. I negotiated for her to start her master's degree while here. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I made sure that I mean, she was going to come anyway, but I made sure it worked for her as well. 
And she had a colleague at work walk up to her and say, well, you know, I heard you're moving, you're leaving, what's going on? She said, oh, well, you know, we're, we're moving to Fresno. Um, and she said, you're, why are you moving? And she said, well, you know, my husband got a, a position at Fresno State. And she said, you're letting him go? You're letting him take you to Fresno? And mm -hmm. my wife just kind of looked at her like letting, you know, what are you talking about? But in that very dialogue was mm -hmm. the assumption that she was talking to another handler about, you know, curtailing and controlling what I'm doing and making mm -hmm. sure that my wife had the proper mind state to mm -hmm. be to, to manage me, almost like riding a horse. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. make sure he stays in the line that he's supposed to go in. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got that talk many a day. And I had to always deny it, especially when I first uh, got married. And she would come along, and my mother, Minnie, and she would come along, and, and she would be like, well, how is he acting? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. What do you yeah. mean, how, how is he acting? Yes. Well, I mean, what is he doing? I mean, is he treating you okay? And... You know, the dialogue was a lot different probably than other people's dialogues would be with their mother in that situation. Mm. Because I was like, well, you treated me like crap. So I'm wondering why you want him to treat me better. Or do you want, are you comparing notes about whether or not he's treating me like crap too? Right. Like, what do you, what do you want? Mm -hmm. What do you want me to say to mm -hmm. you? And she's like, well, I mean, well, I was just saying, I mean, like, is he treating you okay? I'm like, my marriage is fine. And mm -hmm. no, I will not be giving you details. See, it comes into see these conversations. See, I'm not supposed to be telling you guys that. So mm -hmm. I need to, to lean in so to you what these conversations truly entail. See, you guys hear the surface. Mm -hmm. What what what's really said is that uh, you know she was like, well, you know, uh, he has to be. You know, if he does anything, you know, you can call your dad. Wow, and yeah. I'm like. I don't need that. I don't need your uh, input to this. And 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 so those conversations would kind of go back and forth and she would be like, well, you know, if he ever does this or that, or, you know, this is how you're supposed to talk to him. And wow. this is how you're supposed to behave. And if mm -hmm. he does this, then you're supposed to do that. And that'll get him straight. And I'm like, your marriage didn't work. Did any of this work for you? Mm. It didn't. It, it didn't work for you at all. So I, and I watched it not work. So mm. then why would I be stupid enough to mimic that behavior? I, I'm not. So wow. I'm not doing. I'm not having these conversations with you know. And she's like, well, you know, well, what time? You know, because it was like, I, and I, I learned really, really early, and I knew it from the beginning. So I never got in depth with her with conversations because that's how it goes. One handler and a handler in the making. So. Mm happens is me as the so-called handler in the making, I was supposed to report to her any and all uh, discrepancies that happened in my household, right? Wow. And I was supposed to make sure that she was abreast of every personal thing that mm -hmm. went on in my household, from arguments to uh, uh, disagreements to his plans to, and then I was supposed to receive instruction on mm -hmm. how to defy mm -hmm. those So, and when I did not coddle or cater to that. I didn't accept it. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I don't accept that though. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. This is not how this relationship is actually going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, I was supposed to be able to control him and she was supposed to be able to control him through me by mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was supposed to run errands for her and mm-hmm. her little attack dog, too, and all of this kind of stuff. So she was like one time she called me. Right. And she's like, oh, she was in a tizzy and something was going on. And she wanted me to send my husband mm-hmm. to her location to, quote unquote, protect her. Mm-hmm. I did not do that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I did not do that. And the reason that I did not do that is because I know her and mm-hmm. I know that what the story I'm being told is likely yeah. not yeah. what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so uh, I didn't do it. Now, this was upon second request. The mm-hmm. very first time she did that, stupidly, I did because mm-hmm. I was worried. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm young and I'm actually was still under a, a, a psychological thing with her because mm-hmm. right. again, I'm talking to my abuser as well. So mm-hmm. uh, so when she was like, oh, well, you know, such and such is going on, ask, ask your husband if he can come up here and blah, blah, blah. So he was sitting there and so he overheard the conversation. He's like, well, I don't mind going. And so, so I, I didn't try to stop him. He and then he came back. He's like, nothing's really going on. I'm like, okay. And then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, no, uh, that shouldn't happen again because I know who this is. I know who I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want my husband mixed up in anything that she's mixed up in. And so then the next thing, then the next time she happened, she was like all in a tizzy. And so I didn't let the tizziness bother me. I'm like, no, I'm not. My First of all, he's not here. And second of all, I'm not going to try to get into contact with him to come to you. I'm not going to do that because his wife is at home safe. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to bother him and, and, and set him on edge for that because mm-hmm. he'll go, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He'll go. And I'm like, nope, not going to do it. And then um, I had a, I had to have a talk with my husband afterwards. And I mm-hmm. told him after everything. And I told him, you know, well, she wanted me to come get. He's like, well, why didn't you do it? I said, no, 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 no. I said, you're being nice. I said, here's the deal. I know her better than you know her. Mm-hmm. You are never to go to her rescue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ever, mm. she calls here, and I'm not happy not to be here, and you're here, and she mm. asked for mm-hmm. you to come to do something. I was like, you are never to do that. And I said, I know that I don't like take authoritative tones with you, but I'm telling you, I know her, and you don't. Mm. I know the situation that you don't know, so I know who I'm talking to. That this woman raised me. I was in the house with her. She's not like your mother. Mm. If your mother calls. You know it's something serious because first of all, she wouldn't call you because your mother has her husband. Oh, mm. so, now she, my mother's not like your mother at all. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. So, if she calls here in a tizzy or she comes here in a tizzy, please ignore her mm-hmm. and do not react to anything that she says because it's likely that she's lying mm-hmm. about to get you to react. So please wow. don't. And he was like. Well, okay, if you insist, I guess he's like, I'm like, no, 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 no. I know you're the man in the house and blah and all of that. I'm not trying to step on your toes, but I am. To, I'm trying to keep you safe. Like, listen, I'm trying to keep you, you know, out of yet. Like, you don't want to do that. So, so I'm saying all that to say that 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 these conversations go on when and like you said, or to allude to something you said earlier. Uh, Dr. Johnson, when you were talking about uh, it's a it's a passing of property. That's how my mother viewed my getting married. That mm. property had changed hands, and now I was the new owner of it. Mm. And it's like, 
No, actually, I'm not the new owner of it. <laughs> I don't own them. <laughs> and no, notice how it works inverted to you know the tr the Western tradition of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's interesting. Black men get accused of trying to emulate white men and being patriarchs, but we have this practice of 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 passing men as property mm -hmm. off to from one woman to another. But somehow we're the patriarchs. And that's that's why the way I define a, a gynarchy is it, it's really a female patriarchy mm. that we have kind of happening. But it, it, what you just described, Kendra, you know, in terms of a mother, mother-in-law kind of dynamic, I've seen that happen between friends, cousins, sisters, where you have women, you know, loaning out their husbands and boyfriends like surrogate husbands or surrogate attack dogs or mm -hmm. surrogate repairmen, mm -hmm. you know. Girl, send him by to fix something or send him by to, to help me with this and help me with that. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll get a thank you when you arrive or leave. But at the end of the day, it's something that's managed between the two women. Mm -hmm. And you do what you're told. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's the kind of framework. And if you question it, there's a cognitive dissonance. It's kind of people just kind of stop and go like, what? What? Do you, who are you to question this? Who are you to, to ask questions? And, the, and And from there, you may get labeled as being a problem. You know, you more than likely will be labeled as because he doesn't follow orders the way he should. Mm -hmm. you know, but it's a problem. And you and you get this kind of social pressure to, to follow the line unquestioningly. But it's so frequent. And yet it's not supposed supposed to be outwardly discussed, you know, that doing so is revolutionary. Yeah, you, if you notice, uh, even in the last uh, episode of Insecure, where when Issa Rae's um, headliner fell, you know, fell off, right, backed out. She called Molly to get Molly's new boyfriend to actually find a headliner for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In other words, use him, use him as a utility for me by proxy. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's exactly like uh, what works in a patriarchy. Like when a man marries a woman, she comes into his family. Right. Mm. And uh, she comes to his home. And she serves whoever's in that home mm -hmm. as her. She's supposed to take that as now her family that she is in, is that she's joined. Right. And it happens on the inverse in the black community. Mm -hmm. uh, if a woman gets married, her husband is everybody's husband. Yeah. Mm. Mm. She's everybody's husband. Um, Communal property. You know, yeah, he is. And uh, that's why my mother was so shocked because I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, tell my husband to, oh, go pick my mama from the store. Oh, you know, and be like her little errand boy. And I'm like, I'm not going to even ask him. I'm not even going to breach this as a subject. He's not even going to know that me and you had this ridiculous conversation. I'm not even going to repeat any of this to him. Like you, you got me all the way messed up in these streets. I'm not gonna do that. Look, like you got me looking stupid. And mm -hmm. see, the pressure is when you aren't one of these handlers and you get in a room full of them. Mm -hmm. The pressure for the woman is you. Don't, you don't got your man in check. Exactly. That's what it is. So mm -hmm. you don't got you don't got him in check, girl. You don't got him in check, wow. girl. You ain't got him in order, girl. You can't just tell him to do this and do that. Well, Joe, he told you, and it, girl, mm -mm. Wow. that wouldn't work for me. Mm -mm. And it's like, wow. you know, it, and 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 when when I was young, it was a little bit of pressure. I felt a little pressure. I'm like, well, 
you know, I feel kind of, I don't even, I didn't want to like to uh, reveal any details, no matter how innocuous mm. of my relationship, because it was going to be under scrutiny. Right. And, uh, you know, you get around these hyenas and, 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 and they're, they're talking about their marriages. I'm looking at, this is how your household is ran? Because mine isn't run like that. Mm. And and then they'd be like, well, you know, what's going on with you? And I would try to keep it real service real. Because I was never big on telling people my personal business anyway. What happened in the house? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, you know, yeah, me and my husband went such and such, such and such and blah, blah, blah. And and he decided that we were going to do that. And I wanted to do something else. But then I went ahead and just did what he wanted to do because he said blah, blah, blah. And they'd be like, so you just let him mm-hmm. uh tell you and you just did what he wanted to do well, what about what you wanted to do mm. well we'll get to that another time like I'm not, I'm not really sweating it or whatever it's okay i mean I, I didn't bother me and they're like girl uh-uh, you're not supposed to do that you know he's just gonna do whatever he want to do and he's not gonna take into account what you wanted to do and what about how you felt about it and it's like why are you going hard in the paint Postal stuff, I'm not going hard to pay. And then it, it, it started to become clear to me, you know, in these little conversations and these little get togethers and gather, and I stopped going to gatherings. Mm. And it, I actually just stopped because it was just like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm going to get into an argument because, first of all, I'm not going to divulge any information at all about anything, no matter how small. Mm. And when I'm sitting there silent, then now that's going to be a problem. And then they're going to get the other twin. And I know it's going to be a problem. So I'm just not going to go. And uh, I, I really did stop going to a lot of gatherings with because it was be all female gatherings. And I couldn't take those conversations. I'm like, wow. I'm not going to sit here and listen to these conversations. Your whole relationship is dysfunctional. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't supposed to say none of that. No. I posted up a second ago a comment uh, from Rael, uh, and, it, and it's incredibly important to this discussion because he talks about the sexual dynamic that is a part of these relationships at time where men, be they husbands, boyfriends, or whatnot, actually do become, and going back to BGS's concept of the concubine male, mm-hmm. you know, we, we become concubines in that sense. So even amongst family members uh, where men are shared in such fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I begin to see, especially in like the last decade, because I've actually had multiple women approach me about you know what they define as polygamy, but mm-hmm. it, the way they defined it wasn't where you had you know I guess this this male head of multiple households kind of taking care of everybody. It was actually it was a similar structure, but the reverse on the power dynamic. So what you had is a couple of of, of women getting together and deciding to share you. And asking if you will be willing to participate, but your resources are theirs and Mm -hmm. they divvy it up and then give back to you what they think you should have to the extent that you may not live with either one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way this kind of framework was, was, you know, I've been approached by a couple of sets of women with this Mm -hmm. where it was, uh, well, you're a doctor, you're a professor. So, you know, here's what we're going to do. We'll offer you sex as your wives, but you know, your resources are ours. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that from individual women I was dating to mm-hmm. these kind of situations I was posed with where the dynamic is uh, my money is my money. Your money is our money. 
and except it's now compounded with multiple women divvying up the resources you bring to the table. Right. You have this kind of inverted polygamy that's kind of being brought into the discussion and it's being labeled as conscious. Yeah. Where we're, we're, we're women are willing to share the resource. Mm hmm. <laughs> with each other <laughs> yeah. I find that to be ridiculous it, 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 you know it, okay I'm not <laughs> you said, you said it, it's odd to me because I, right now I'm in a polygynous relationship mm -hmm. and he has taken it upon himself and say listen you're going to move here you guys are in the house with me so, mm. okay fine so we're moving with him. Like he's not like coming to us. Mm. Like he we're moving with him where he already pays the mm. bills and the you know, he already pays. Whether we were there or not, he'd be paying for mm. that stuff. Mm. And so um the but the power dynamic belongs to him. Mm. And uh -huh. that's actually how I'm I envision it anyway. That's that's the only really way I understand polygyny. I don't really understand it in any other form than that mm -hmm. because I don't understand how it works in any other form than that. Okay. Uh, so for me, the 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 power dynamic is his because he's paying for everything, mm. and he's like, well, I don't mind if you work. And my thing is. He can have all the access to my money that he wants. I don't care. It's not like where, oh, well, your money, I can have access to yours, but you can't have access to mine. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's like, okay, here's the stuff. Here you go. You can have it. Mm. Yeah. Right. I mean, that the, the homosexual and the baby boy, that is a polygynous uh, uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, relationship where the women actually control the sex of the man. Right. And they pass him or he picks, pass around his male attention, sexual favors from woman to woman. Sometimes one, you know, two, three, four, even five women. Mm. And he actually seed them all and they rotate between their households. Mm. And mm. They, they actually literally control and share that man. And when they when one gets tired of him and gets upset with him, since she owns the house and all the resources, she boosts him out and she sends him off to the next one. And the cycle starts over again. They're in control of what they do. They decided I'm going to share sexually and, and uh, emotionally with this one particular guy. We're actually going to share between these women. Well, and the only way that's talked about publicly is only in the context of him being unfaithful. Right. Infidelity on his behalf. Mm -hmm. There's no mainstream conversation that I've seen mm -hmm. where women are accountable for 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 treating men as mm -hmm. sexual utilities. It, mm -hmm. it, the sexual objectification of men is not even really even a concept, even, even in gender studies. There's it, it, this sexual you know, objectification is synonymous with female victimization. Mm -hmm. There's no concept for how men are sexually objectified. And I remember having this casual debate with a feminist about this, a black feminist, and we started talking about sexual objectification. And when I mentioned men, she laughed. And she mm -hmm. said, in what world are men ever and when have they ever been sexually objectified? And when I began to point out from slavery onward, right, mm -hmm. the, the, the roles that black men were forced to play at the threat of death mm -hmm. by white women and so on and so forth, all the way through the 1950s and 60s, if you mm -hmm. read through the man, not Tommy Curry's text, mm -hmm. she just looked at me like, well, that doesn't count. That's not really that doesn't apply. No reason. No you know, that was it. She just decreed that it didn't matter. And it even, didn't even to the, <laughs> even she to the, gave you a royal, 
Yeah. Yeah, a royal edict. Absolutely. Absolutely. Royal edict. And even to the movie uh, Get Out. Mm. That was sexual objectification of, of male bodies mm. yeah. by white men and white women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Instead, you don't need this abstract brain surgery. <laughs> you the policy to influence these dynamics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Socialization from birth and all of these other dynamics that mm-hmm. fall into play. And it was white women coming up and picking, picking, you know, actually looking and bidding on the body. Yes. That her husband would actually inhabit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they, the first day, there was one question when they were bidding on uh, on on the, on the guy. One woman that said, "How is it down there? Mm. Is it better?" Uh, <laughs> yeah. Damn. So, so even 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 in in, uh, uh, in a movie that's just, just as recent as Get Out, you actually see it. Mm. Yeah. And the Absolutely. black woman recognized it. Goodness. Well. Um, there's a couple of brothers that I know want to join in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I appreciate both of you guys for extending the time you have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it would, I'd love for you to stay. If you can't, I'm more than get it. Um, especially, you know, I asked Kendra, actually I asked both of you very last minute. So I apologize about that, but mm-hmm. I really appreciate both of you guys coming in, uh, especially with the little notice and, and kicking this off because it, it was just it was something that needed to be discussed outside of just one person, as far as I was concerned. Mm-hmm. I, I don't under you know I I don't understand why this is so surprising that this this happens every day. You know, mm. in in Chicago and Los Angeles and in, in Philadelphia, this is so common that it's like okay, like okay, we know this happens. What's the big deal? It happens all the time. It, it, people won't refuse to allow for that. Uh, as a possibility, the one thing is, black women know that they do this. I don't understand why it's even a debate. They know that they use black men as attack dogs. Mm. But you're not supposed to say it. Oh. Hey, can I be heard? <laughs> okay. You guys can hear me? Okay. So yeah. I thought I was boring for a little bit. No. But BGS. Yes, ma'am. You're not supposed <laughs> to say it because it's supposed to be a gaslight and a secret. <laughs> okay, you can't pull. You can't be running around here. See, this is why. This is why they don't like you, BGS, because you run around here and you pull the the veil off of stuff. You can't. You gotta keep the tarp on some of this stuff. You run around here and you pull the veil off of the gynocracy, and they don't like it. You're supposed to let these gaslights stand. Okay, these gaslights are supposed to stand the test of time, no matter who knows the truth. You're never supposed to say it. And this is why the gynocracy has the power that it has. It's like it's like the demons in the movies where it only you only it only has the power you give it by believing in it. Mm-hmm. So, it's, so this is how the gynocracy works. If we all stop believing in it, it'll stop. And like it sounds like a joke, but I'm kind of not joking mm-hmm. because it's all predicated on who wants their approval, who thinks they need it. And who thinks they need to be uh, approved and, and nodded in by the gynocracy? And, and, and this is the thing that I learned as a woman and having denied it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure to be included into the gynocracy. Don't you want to be part of us? It's like sitting at the cool kids table. Mm-hmm. But at the 
same time, it's such a destructive table to sit at. I declined. And, and, and that brought about a social death mm. that I endure mm. all the time. I mm. am not welcome to mm. the guy. Period. No. Mm. I can flip over if I wanted to. Wow. And I don't want to. So, wow. so you know, it has to be that final. We, we have to really all turn our backs on it. Not just the women, but the men have to really just turn their backs on it and be like, we don't see you anymore. You, We don't see you. And mm. they actually will have to go away because their power is predicated on the men mm-hmm. and whether the men pay them any attention or not and whether mm-hmm. the men give them any credence or not. You mm. see, the most dangerous hyena isn't the matriarch. It's the male in the group. He doesn't oh. have any power, but he does have teeth. Yeah, she, mm. yeah. And he is disposable. Yeah. And he's disposable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we got a question in the comments. Uh, mm-hmm. It says, can you discuss the phenomenon of black women proposing that black men impregnate them and not be in relationship with the child? I hear that this is something that is done in, in black L- uh, lesbian couples. Um, oh, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. I've had that uh, proposed to me like two or three times where mm-hmm. to donate uh, sperm to lesbian couples. I've had it asked of me and it didn't even have to do with lesbian couples. It was just strictly a matter of, you know, somebody who wanted a child mm-hmm. and, you know, just and wanted you, resources. And you, and you, and you check boxes. Yeah. Yeah. They want a child and you sometimes they, they just want uh say if you had the physical resources like intelligence, height, whatever they think is uh, 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 on a, uh, would actually uh, help their child. They actually uh, won't even go after you for resources. They just want the genetics. Mm. But that's that goes across the board for all females, but especially in the black community. Uh, if you got uh, light eyes and curly hair, um, she wants to have your baby. She wants her baby to have those genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is what we talk about when we talk about being uh, interchangeable. It, you know, it, it's, whether it has to do with being sperm donors mm-hmm. or attack dogs, it's still along the same type of sexual objectification, and mm-hmm. it plays out just like that. And mm-hmm. the term to, to take the term uh, bucks, bucks definitely applies. Mm-hmm. Definitely applies. Black bucks. I mean, that's why black men are, are seen as as sexual concubines. Your bucks all over the planet. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. The B. The why they call it the BBC. There's a special category just for black men and other races of women mm. as sexual concubines. In fact, that's a that's the one thing that uh, in in black porn. Mm. Um, there was the black men actually get paid more. Wow. Wow. Because black, the, the black, the BBC is the star mm. and the women are interchangeable. Wow. Sounds like a different audience being catered to. Uh, well, basically it's, it's for, for black and white audience. It's the same thing. Uh, it, the, the, uh, the, the black men are probably more famous than the, than the, than the uh, women are. Hmm. And they, they 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 cross over a lot more freely you know, uh, between uh, races. You know, those, those same group of men are actually the stars, the, the BBC. Mm. And then the, and the uh, amongst the black women, they're in the change. They can pull they pull women off the street if they compare them with the with the proper adult star. Mm. Uh, there, was, uh, there were actually uh, porn, uh, black female porn stars who were complaining about that, that the men were getting paid more. Right. So you're not even accomplished 
garden tools. That's a sad, <laughs> sad <laughs> little topless garden tools. <laughs> <laughs> no one even wants you, no one even wants to objectify you. And that's that's like the mo the basest place that a female can be. Mm-hmm. And and you don't even qualify <laughs> to, to be debased. mad at CJ King because he can get on Instagram and talk about uh his accomplishments and be and those accomplishments not be degrading. Mm-hmm. And here you have a whole subsection. You're groomed to be the concubines of America, mm-hmm. and you can't even fulfill that properly because you're you have just that much of a bad, you know, a stereotype and, and stigma stuck to you that no one even wants to debase you properly. Yeah, and yeah. you to, to feel that purpose that's horrible what other, what other group of what other group of men are known for making money and using women and getting their getting their resources through his penis other than mm. the black male black, mm. black american male no other man is actually known for that mm. you know the pimp the mac the player that those are all uh, uh iconically black men right right and we accept that you know we accept that in this uh in this culture in the black culture it's accepted that the mac the pimp uh the player can actually do that even down to the point with the uh, of the uh with the homosexual or the baby boy he mm. gets re- he gets he gets food clothing and shelter and resources even a car to drive every now and then in exchange for his his non-sexual attention and his penis yep Absolutely, which which is a practice that again goes back to slavery. Goes back to slavery, yep. So it's not a new dynamic for us. It just gets replayed in, in different arenas under different certain conditions, but it still goes on. Mm. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, 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 in the conscious community, they said every black person in America needs to be on somebody else's uh, some psychiatrist's couch. Uh, decoding all this, uh, all this uh, junk that's floating around in our in our psyche, mm. the conditioning and and the images that we've seen growing up. This is normal to us. Even the black exploitation, right? Mm-hmm. The drug dealer, the pimp, the player, the Mac, even the 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 shaft, the, the great private detective. Uh, his 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 uh, greatest weapon is not his gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about it, his penis is his greatest weapon. I'm serious, you know. No, I know it. you. I mean, I know you are. That's why it's, it's getting to me. <laughs> but absolutely, absolutely, and that's the subtext for any hero, even even in the, in the superhero genre. You know, it's still the same kind of thing. His penis is always part of this, this discussion. If you look at the old comics with Luke Cage and with that, mm-hmm. they even had comics where other female superheroes would talk about Luke Cage and their desire to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. It's still the, his penis is always a subtext, mm-hmm. you know, to to any kind of representation of black men. It's always mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. that concubine aspect of how we're defined mm-hmm. is is common. Mm-hmm. It's part it's part and parcel to how we how we're seen. Mm-hmm. We you know uh, uh, the the reason that uh, most white women uh, white men think a white woman is defiled forever for having sex with a black man is because sexually they don't think they can compete. Mm-hmm. 
as concubines. Mm-hmm. But the, that's, the, that's the label that has been put on us in slavery. Mm. And black women don't don't fight against that uh, that that uh, that label. They actually uh, uh, actually promote it. You know. Well, and that that takes us back to C.J. King in a particular context, because why would you compete for concubines? Mm. They're supposed mm. to be interchangeable. They're supposed to be public access, public mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like shoes at the bowling alley. Why are you going to compete for shoes that everybody can have access to? Mm-hmm. Even if he's accomplished and so on and so forth, it doesn't matter. He's mm-hmm. still public property. So there's no incentive to produce, you know, any kind of serious competitiveness in regard to acknowledging his value. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, the only but the only people that can brag on a man's value is not the man himself. The woman he gets with can brag on his value, but it's almost kind of like bragging on uh, the value of the property she she acquired. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Look, yeah, look yeah the bragging on the, on the stallion I got, or you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Go ahead, Kendra. Look at his nice hooves. Look at him. Look at him. You know, look. I got him a nice saddle and everything. Look at him. He's he's wonderful because they live vicariously through them. And right. and see, that's something that that's that's something that women do anyway, right? Mm-hmm. We all do that. We live vicariously through men. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they want men of a certain status so she can live vicariously through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at the same time, he, the the concept of competing for him, the reason why they were so uh, they were so upset by it mm. is because uh, who competes for slaves? There we go. Nobody. You don't okay. compete for a slave. You just buy him. He should be uh, uh, groveling to get with a good master. Mm-hmm. Who who could compete for? You know, a slave. He's just a he's just a, a house slave. You just might not put him in the field, but I mean, he's still gonna be a slave. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the sentiment. That's the sentiment. That's why uh, black men are always counted by what they don't have mm. instead of what they do. It's wow. just always counted by what they don't have, what they haven't accomplished yet. Because for all the things they said, well, did he pass the bar yet? You know, is it just looking for something mm-hmm. uh, to discredit him over? looking for something to have to say that would knock him down mm-hmm. and all of it and see what we have to do if we have to understand it all of all of it 100% of it is projection mm-hmm. this is how they feel about themselves mm-hmm. this is not even how they feel about black men this is how they feel about them wow and they just project it to black men and say, this is how you feel. So this is why they tell a black man, well, when you get successful, you go to brighter, lighter women and white women because you think those women are better than us. That's a projection. Mm-hmm. No matter mm-hmm. how many times the men say we go to other cultures of women because it's another culture and we get treated with more respect, they're going to always lean back to their own insecurity. Mm-hmm. See, they're insecure about it because they know that they aren't as good as those other women. Mm. Wow. There I said it. <laughs> she said, there I said mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I'm going to bring in a, a couple more people. I'm still waiting for Green Gorilla. Uh, check your messenger uh, for the link. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, these are a couple of brothers that reached out to me on Facebook when the story first posted about uh, uh, the security guard killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we got... Uh, um, Marcus Aurelius and Gavin St. Clair. 
coming up in here. Uh, can you guys hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Cool. Okay. And uh, let's see. What about our other? Can you hear us? Marcus, can you hear us? I can hear BGS. Uh, I think I can hear Gavin. I cannot hear uh, Doc. Okay. okay. You, you, you can't hear me? You, have to go, you might have to uh, 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 go out and come back in. Well, right, you so. you want me to take him out? And he, okay. He can right. be, Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Green Gorilla, go ahead to your, your FB messenger. I sent you the link in there. Um, and just kind of follow the instructions from there. Okay. Um, so, Gavin. Yes. Yeah, join in, man. Tell us what you're thinking. Um... I mean, yeah, uh, many of what you and the lady Kendra yeah, have here, said. Uh, okay, can you hear us? See what I can hear. I still can't hear. You can't, you can't hear. Did you? Did you? Uh, did you close the stream yards and and um, come back in? Yeah, I exited. I hit the uh, red X, mm-hmm. and then I put the uh, link back in. Um, yeah, throughout the whole conversation, I could hear. I can hear. It seems. Can everybody hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only hear BGS. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> if, if, if anyone else is talking besides you, uh, uh-huh. I can't hear any of them. I just okay. hear you. Okay. What do you? What do you? What are you on? Are you on the computer or are you on? Uh, I'm, I'm on a tablet. You on a tablet? Okay. Or is it? Is it? Is it iPad? Yeah, it's an iPad. Uh, are you using Chrome? I'm using Safari. Use Chrome. If, uh, if, if you got Chrome, do you have Chrome? Yeah, I do. Okay, use Chrome instead. So I'll try that. Okay. No problem. We got Green Gorilla in here. There he is. Can you hear a screen? The G with the PhD. What's up? What's going on? Can y'all hear me? Yeah. We can hear you. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Okay, okay. beautiful. All right. So we, so I, I just started out by asking Gavin to give us his thoughts. I apologize for interrupting you, man. You there, Gavin? Gavin, can you hear us? Uh oh, we lose him. I don't know. I, okay. he, he seems like he's in here, but he, he's here. He's not muted. No, he's right. not. Okay. Well, it, Gavin, if there's a problem, log out and come back in. He might have just stepped away. I'm not really sure. Okay. But uh, go ahead, uh, Green. Tell us your thoughts, man. I'm just listening to Kendra, man, because she's got the. I mean, no, no. Uh, Disrespect, but she's like the spook to set by at, at inside of the door. <laughs> you, you know, you know what, uh, 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 you know what, Gigi, you know what, Gigi. Uh, I've said that. Oh, uh, uh, people ask me how come I started a woman's channel, uh, and I find what I found out is that uh, men will actually uh, take what I say is true, but it won't doesn't have the same impact unless a woman actually says it. Mm, yeah, for whatever reason, unless a black woman actually comes out and admits it. And says it, then men it doesn't have the same impact. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. You know, it's just mm. hiring to live life knowing that you're nothing but a utility for someone else. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's called it's called the Matrix, brother. Well, everybody's endowed with innate dignity, supposedly. I mean, theoretically. Mm. Yeah, it has to be suppressed, though. Then mm. that's called indoctrination. Mm. Mm. Now, yeah, well, you know, 
Can you, can you hear us, uh, Marcus? Uh, I can hear you. Uh, I can hear it's my man, the Green Gorilla. <laughs> can you hear the doc? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear. I think uh, Crimson Cure is on mute. You should on mute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, and I hear you, doc. Okay. okay. Beautiful. Very good. Yeah. Right. So, so go ahead and chime in, y'all. So we we we're dealing with all kinds of topics, but it usually. I think the running theme, you know, has been uh, what what Kendra referred to as the the conky surf um, and the role we play in the gynarchy, um, especially in terms of this brother who was killed. Any any other thoughts? Any reflections? Uh, you mean the uh, security guard? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess is 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 pretty much what I said yesterday. Um, you know. Uh, I, I would say that we're just we're, we're pawns, you know. Mm-hmm. We're just pawns, and we you know we use these tools. Well, not us, but you know the, the the guys who submit themselves to be tools, um, are just tools of you know, like you said, proxy power. Mm-hmm. But you know, I you know I, I I've seen this in real life. You know, I, I've seen this you know in all stages of my life. Like you know, guys just like for instance, uh. There's a guy that I know, um, you know, he grew up with a, with a, he's a son of a woman that I know, you know, single mom or whatever. And, um, recently he posted something about, you know, some, some kid that said, you know, if he's living with a woman and, you know, he's the man of the house while he's living with that woman and his, I guess for some reason, his reaction to that was like, oh, you know, if you say this about anybody I love. You know, I'll, I, you know, I've killed for less. I'll kill for less. And I'm like, why would you want to kill a guy who is saying that if he's in a household, he's the man of the house? Mm. You know, mm. it's, it's almost like he took it as some sort of, I guess, oppressive function. And mm. I said, you know, he's young. You know, I think he's like he's still in his 20s. I said, you know, you, you've never lived with a woman, so you might change your position. If you did, you know what I mean? While you're there, you're technically man of the house, mm-hmm. you know? But that's not the way he sees it. He sees it as some control device. But again, you know, and I, I was in a conversation earlier. It's like, you know, most of these guys grew up with single women, you know, single mothers, and they are taught that, you know, this is what you are here for. It is your job and function as a man to protect us and, you know, no matter what, you know, the same way we believe, oh, you know, you can't hit a woman no matter what is you is on you. It's your job as a man to protect us no matter what, no matter what the narrative is, no matter what we did. You know, we don't even ask the question. Hmm. You know, you just have to react. And if this is what you are taught, you know, it's like anything else It's like, you know, uh, whatever other parts of our culture, whether it be religion or anything else, you know. You, you're, you're taught not to question. You're just taught to do. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. that's and that's that's, you know, if you tell, a, a, a you know, a man from, you know, from a child that this is your purpose in life, you know, he'll he'll die in the name of Islam or Christianity or in the name of feminism. It, it's all mm-hmm. to me. I see them all as religions. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I can definitely say in the academy, feminism is a deeply practiced religion. Absolutely. Yeah, feminism is a religion. I would definitely uh, second that. But you know what's odd about this story about uh, the proxy murder? I was just watching a documentary on television, not on Netflix, 
and uh, it was about Nas. I think I think the name of the uh, documentary is called Nas is Illmatic. Mm-hmm. I've seen that documentary, but do you know that Nas's friend died for that very reason? Mm-hmm. A proxy, uh, a proxy violence murder. So some girl had an argument with him, and she broke his chain. And I think he slapped her or something, or backhanded her. And I mean, an hour later, some guys came back, and the first thing they did was start shooting. Mm. And uh, that's how Nas's brother Jungle got shot. And uh, mm. that's how Nas's friend Ill Will, that's what, they, that's what they used to call him, Ill Will, that's how he got shot. Oh, Ill so, Will, okay. Yeah, so it's just, it's you know, men need to just start. Before you go and, and try to kill another man, just try to figure out reason with the other man first, if, if, if reason is possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, this honor killing mm. is really ridiculous. I mean, you know, I wouldn't do it. But, I mean, you know. See, the problem with that is it's embedded into our culture. It's like trying to take someone who is deeply religious and you know, and change their views on that. Like, you know, these guys grew up, they grew up with this indoctrination. It's hard to unlearn. So, you know, when you get somebody that, you know, I guess they have, I guess, higher levels of intelligence, it's easier. But, you know, a lot of these kids that are growing up with these teachings, you know, they don't think reason. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, they they grew up under the, uh, you know, the uh, authority of an emotional being. And they they learn to be emotional. They learned that emotional response is, you know, is is some, you know, is some gallant, you know, form of virtue. Like, you know, this is what this is what they're taught. It's mm-hmm. hard to unlearn that, you mm-hmm. know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sad, but it's real. Like, it's hard to, un, you know, to 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 unlearn that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After, especially after decades of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it ain't, it's not impossible to unlearn, though. And I'm gonna tell Absolutely. you, these brothers better start unlearning what mm-hmm. they learn. Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, doing that, boy, it's gonna be hell to pay coming up in the next 30, 40 years for these mm-hmm. young guys. And uh, they don't understand the condition that they're in right now. They're not mm-hmm. being educated, they're being proselytized to. And if they don't start reasoning and men don't start telling them what's actually going on from their own perspective, they're gonna continue to be indoctrinated in the next thing you know. They're going to turn around and realize they done wasted all their lives. Mm-hmm. I please somebody that can't be pleased. That's the mm-hmm. point. I mean, the sad thing is most of the time men don't have that reach to teach these boys to reason as opposed to react. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, you know, in, in the, in the, I guess in the current state of what it is, because these women have, you know, custody, and they have, in some cases, like, you know, total authority. Mm-hmm. I, I can't blame men for not being in a position to to teach their sons to reason because they're dealing with, you know, the government. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it is what it is. So, I mean, you you want to, you know, raise your, your your children, whether it be your sons or your daughters in a situation where you can do that, where you can input that. But unfortunately, like, you know, and I'm not talking about the guys who don't want to, but I'm talking about the guys who desire to do that. A lot of times they're not in position to, for one reason or another. 
And a lot of a lot of that, you know, we talk about proxy power with with these with these guys, but women also get a lot of proxy power from you know the the the, the state. Oh yes, yeah, so, that was you know, something so. I was going to bring up earlier. So we're really talking about layers of control because you start with within the family and the way you're socialized and brought up and and whatnot, but then. If you still are not controlled to the degree that one is comfortable with, she, the yeah. police can be called, family mm-hmm. courts can be used, there are all exactly. kinds of layers of control that, that, that play into this. But I want to give you guys an example of, of this kind of proxy. Can anybody hear me, though? I'm yeah. on now. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear us? I can hear you, BGS, Marcus, Green Girl, if you don't hear me. The Chris one is on mute, but I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, I can hear you too. Yeah. All right. But I, okay. I wanted to, I wanted to show you guys this as an example. This is a this is a, somebody wrote this in the comments uh, when I posted. I, I, I did a card, I guess, in YouTube uh, about what we're talking about, and this was the response. You know, one brother put in. So I remember something similar happening to a childhood friend, a girl on my friend's school bus whose advances were rejected by my friend, told her male relatives my friend had assaulted her. Later on that same day, they tracked my friend down, shot and killed him. He was only 16. Damn. All based on the power of her word. Yeah. How is that different from what white women used to do? Uh Oh, yeah. Uh Oh, Mm hmm. But here's the cool thing about that, if I may interject. Um, all right, white women used to do that. You would think on GP, our sisters would understand that and not do that to us, mm. seeing how unfair that was. Mm-hmm. Why would they follow and do the same thing and repeat the wrong that's been done to us by white women? They, of all people, should know, don't do it and why it should not be done. But they do it anyway. Because they want the same power as white women have. Yes. And they yes. always have. Because yeah. white women are the white people, black black women are the white people or black people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. I saw a video on that the other day. I wonder who, who made that video. I wonder who made that video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's just it's, I mean, like it's just so surprising that they would try to flip the script and make it seem as if black men are actually in control of anything. I mean, we have no mm-hmm. institutional power, right. no benefit of the doubt in terms of our innocence in any regard. Mm-hmm. I mean, from domestic violence to rape, uh, to mere sexual assault, um, it, we are not believed at all. And then to flip the script and say, well, black men don't believe women. That's, I mean, you've seen cases in which empirically all of that it's just, it's, it's, it can be debunked. It can mm-hmm. be refuted. Black men at the drop of a dime will leave everything that they're doing. I mean, they could be in a dice game. They could be lecturing a cl- in a classroom. They could be watching football. They're going to drop everything that they're doing to go protect that woman. And the protection of that woman is going to be perceived as you causing harm to somebody else. Because mm-hmm. that woman can't cause that harm to that man. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm, I wish black women would actually care about black men, and not look at them as disposable pieces of uh, of artillery, not look at them as means by which to have a material, comfortable life. Like that brother said on that one video, man, I'm a human being, man. 
Mm-hmm. Why can't my humanity be acknowledged? Why mm-hmm. can't I be perceived as somebody who's a spirit here for a momentary time, only got one life to live, and I want to be able to conjoin forces with somebody who cares about me, as opposed to someone who just looks at me like I'm an instrument, a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, you know, in scholarly language, it would be like, okay, treat that person theologically, like, you know, like someone with innate dignity in and of themselves instead of a means to an end, you know? Follow the categorical imperative. That would, well, that would, like, that would be the well, well, as I B just uh, said earlier, but in a similar vein regarding the black porn industry, the black male is the highest paid because he's the most sought after tool. I mean, look at history as to like whenever there was a war that America fought in and they in a war, what happened? Congress would put a draft and who did they send to where the river runs red, where there was like zero chance of you coming back? The black male soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're the ones sent out there so that they could like, oh, bring back the bodies and see what kind of artillery or weapons they're used against, you know, to protect the white male soldier. And then if we somehow lived through that when we came back, oh, we were hanged in our uniforms. Wow. What mm-hmm. the? Even, even in a feminist, uh, uh, was it uh, a superhero movie, a comic book movie like The Watchmen, the latest Watchmen, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The the main two ca- black characters who actually use this concubine, mm. both by the women, but by their women, but also by the males. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow! Absolutely. Hey, real quick. Uh, okay, I know Doctor Johnson is here in California with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I just get a quick, uh, you know, shout out call from where everybody is calling from, please? BJS, you're calling from what state? Los Angeles. From oh California. wow, mm-hmm. Marcus. Uh, it's Vegas by way of New York, Brooklyn. Born in Brooklyn? Born in Brooklyn. <laughs> Goomba, my brother. Born in Brooklyn, raised in Harlem. Born in Kings County Hospital. Shout out oh, to you. Kings County. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was born in Brooklyn myself, raised in the Bay. Dang. Oh, wow. Green Gorilla? I'm going to keep it incognito right now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> From an undisclosed, a book in an undisclosed location. Okay, I heard that. That's right. No problem. Right. No problem. <laughs> From the fortress, fortress of solitude. Fortress of solitude. That's right. <laughs> it's all right. Hey, it's all good. It's now, all good. back to what I was saying real quick uh, for the two reasons. One, why... No, doctor, I spoke to Dr. Johnson about why I want to chime in because, okay, I'm here in California, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I do security. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, I'm the shift supervisor where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Been doing security for since 2002, working in mm-hmm. various areas. But long wow. story short, regarding the security guard, mm-hmm. his hands were tied. Again, he's another utility tool because they are told, depending on not only just the security company, but the client that has hired the company what you are supposed to do and how you're supposed to handle a situation mm-hmm. and if he doesn't follow those rules as to even the way you're supposed to talk to certain somebody no matter what he could get fired or somehow disciplined mm-hmm. so it's like he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't mm-hmm. and another thing uh dr johnson can also attest to here in cali oh brother Dr. Johnson, you know, this is around tax time. 
when sisters do file their taxes, Uh-oh. not only do they get the EIC at the federal level, Uh-oh. you know, four or five years ago, mm-hmm. the state of California passed their own version of the EIC and mm-hmm. they get a grip on the mm-hmm. state side. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when these sisters here in LA mm-hmm. do their taxes, and even though you get these, what they call refund, the rapid refund or super fast, however they called in your area, and all those fees are taken out, they're clearing, if they got the maximum amount of kids, they're clearing nine to $10,000. Mm. Cashier's check. Walking out that tax office. On top of Section 8, WIC, yada, 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 and plus whatever four or five guys they have on the side. Mm. Mm. Another the, layer of control. The brood mares of America. They always have been. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm. Man, I mean, you go back. That's why they were shipped in here. They've been, uh, if you read the uh, American Slave Coast, that's why black women actually brought here. Not to be uh, field hands, to actually produce, uh, be brood mares. Mm-hmm. Produce, produce other men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to work. And to really, at, at, at the last stage of it, just about 60 year, odd years. Before the end of formal chattel slavery, they were brought in, which, which interestingly enough, is not something that I had ever heard in a class in mm-hmm. Africana studies. I didn't hear about that till after I had long since graduated, because mm-hmm. the narrative had to be kept that slavery was equally balanced between, you know, in terms of oppression for black men and women from its beginning to its end. There, mm-hmm. so any kind of question about the accuracy of history that might shine a light on how different our experiences are, had to be quelched, mm-hmm. had to be dismissed. So to find out that you really don't even have an influx of black women until the beginning of the 19th century, mind blowing, mm-hmm. mind blowing. That's actually new to me, yeah. to be honest. Last 60 odd years of slavery is when they were brought in. Prior to that, it was overwhelmingly targeted on men. Yeah, because uh, Thomas Jefferson of all people um, wanted more money for the slaves that were produced in South Carolina and Virginia. So he ended, you know, he basically ended the uh, the transatlantic slave trade coming to the United States. It wasn't uh, uh, Great Britain. Hmm. It was Thomas Jefferson actually did that. Yeah, and I, you know, I did a little research on this the other day. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was giving a video from Claude Anderson. I saw it on, uh, I think, BGS. You had that video. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I take nothing at face value. I got to look and see and check. So, mm-hmm. wise man. So mm-hmm. I started checking, and uh, so so the demographic breakdown related to sex and age, I think, was somewhere around fifty percent men, twenty five percent women, and then uh, the rest were children. But they don't specify what uh, sex those children were. So, uh, but but overwhelmingly, a lot of people think that most of these slaves came into America. There were only 400,000 people transported to the Americas. I mean, mm-hmm. like the U.S. Not U.S., yes. Yeah. Most, most of these people went to the colonies where tobacco was being hard. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest work. Uh, then sugar, sugar cane was actually the hardest work. Yeah, I mean, sugar cane. That's what yeah. I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah, so that's backbreaking work. I mean, like the life expectancy could be anywhere like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. In three years, and you did. Yeah, you did. Yep. Yeah. And of course, that's if they survived the the seasoning process, which mm-hmm. majority didn't. Mm. We're talking about a holocaust of massive proportions. 
uh, and women didn't see the, the brunt of it. But of course, as you all know, when you're black, you're male and female, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you start mm-hmm. talking about racial issues, everybody's yeah. included. Throw everyone mm-hmm. in the box. But if you yeah. talk about black men, then of course, in the academy and since the women's uh, liberation movement, you can't center men anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like Dr. Hassan said, this is religious mm-hmm. in, in terms of uh, how steadfast people hold on to this narrative within the confines of the academy. And to mm-hmm. say anything about it, the greatest pushback you're going to get is from men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How dare you say that about these women? You you mean these women who were raped and, you know, who were beaten and abused? Let me... Like let I, just, I get so tired of, uh, of these Negro narratives, man. I I, I just... <laughs> speak, speak, speaking of Negro narratives... Uh-oh. <laughs> now... You know, we all know Malcolm X once said, and you, you all you guys know the phrase that the uh, I guess what the uh, most unprotected mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. is is the black woman. Now, mm-hmm. am I the only one that's at odds with that? Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> you need to acquire her, Mar- uh, Mar- yeah. You know, and, and nope. they ab- they abuse that. They abuse it. They abuse it. They toss it around like you know, like. <laughs> It, it, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking I'm the only person that had a problem with him saying that because I've never discussed it with anyone. Mm. And you know, when you talk about these guys, you know, it's, it's, it's not cool to be at odds with pretty much anything they said. Mm-hmm. So you know, we love Malcolm. So anything he said is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, it's like uh, my man, Mister Gorilla. You know, he put me on to this. Uh, what what is that? The uh, what is it? The uh, the the hypothesis. Could you break that down? Which hypothesis? The um, I think it's what the uh, I got to pull it up. <laughs> Basically, that uh, you know, the dominant uh, men, men, you know, have more attacked on the uh, the uh, the men beneath them than the women beneath them. Mm. So let me pull this up. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, what I will say, this, this, I forgot the name of it. Well, let me just put it this way. I mean, generally, I speaking, generally yeah. speaking, women's liberation is supported by patriarchy. Bottom line, if, oh, yeah. if patriarchy doesn't uphold it, and I think that the reason it is upheld to the extent to which it is, is because of the code of chivalry that people right. are yes. operating by. So, mm-hmm. In their, and, and that's part of what a man is supposed to do, correct? He's supposed to look after and protect women and to ensure that the things that they want are satisfied. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just one of the, the definitions of what a man is. A man makes women comfortable. A man provides material and emotional comfortability for women. And so what they're doing is they're making an attempt to be chivalric by, you know, uh, <clears throat> diminishing or mitigating problems that women feel that they have. <clears throat> but at some point, you know, men are going to have to become a little bit more cold-hearted and uh, not respond emotionally to female tears because they'll cry you to death, man. <laughs> 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 really, I mean, like a woman will pout like a three-year-old 
And if you capitulate to it, then what you do is you're reinforcing that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. So, so in my viewpoint, like I don't, I don't mind like first wave feminism. If if, if, it, if it goes as far as saying, okay, we want parity again, we don't want to be subjected uh, to arbitrary domination to the point where like we can just order us around and do anything that we, we have to do anything they say. Okay, so cool. You want to be respected and treated like you have innate dignity, just like anybody else. Okay, cool. You want equality of opportunity, just like everybody else. Okay, cool. But then you have to do away with chivalry. You have to you have to let it go. And I don't think that they're ready to let it go. They want their cake and they want to eat it too. And that's mm-hmm. what I said earlier. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. Like, mm-hmm. like no, that's not how this game goes. If you don't want to be infantilized then you can't start resorting to infantile behavior and, and, and think that, you know, your, your needs are supposed to, or not your needs, but your wants are supposed to be met and satisfied. Right. But, but, but I'm, but I'm digressing. Women, I'm a, I'm a, women's liberation is held up by patriarchy, period. Absolutely. And, 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 and at some point, and I, I tell people this all the time, when you see white men starting to become disgruntled with women and, they, and they, they, they start to think, and this is why, you know, and I know you're going to push back against me on this, Marcus, but I mean, the whole point is when white men get tired of women, you're going to start seeing some changes in how women get treated. Watch, watch my words. And it's oh, no, no, that, that I agree with you with the only, the only, <clears throat> the only part we differ in is this, right? First wave feminism, for the most part, I don't have a problem with. But this is this is this is the fundamental flaw in saying that you know we should, like you said, e- equality and uh, opportunity. This is the, this is the problem. If we're gonna socially expect men to still pay for everything, and handle everything, and take care of everything, you can't have equality of opportunity. You have to give the resources to men. You Thank can't you. share the resources with women, especially when they make up most of the population of this country. There's only but a certain amount of money in the economy. If you're expecting men to still pay after not only splitting the money with women, you know, uh, income wise, or you know, you're gonna have a problem. That it doesn't, it doesn't I, never, I have never done that. I'm gonna tell no, you. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying you can't. What I'm saying is. You can't say, um, you know, well, we're going to pay women equally. Women should make as much as men do, but still charge men with the responsibility of, of financially supporting everything. Hypergamy kind of is in conflict with, with equal pay and, every, and everything else. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, you understand what I'm saying? I, like, I get you, it. I get it. But yeah. my, my, my response to that is, Stop paying for everything. My, my view is this. Ain't no way in the world <clears throat> that you're going to go out and make the same amount of money I do and then I'm paying all the bills in this household and then you get to go out and buy as much heroin and get your nails done and buy as many red bottom shoes as you want to. <laughs> that ain't going down like on my, in my wife. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But, but again, the general belief is that like this is the, the the social norm in society 
that a man is to do blah, 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 blah. Nobody judges a woman based on her income or lack thereof, right? That's true. And, uh, and, and now you got, you know, you're on the same Facebook I'm on where you see women talking about they want to work, they want to make their income, but because they man is the man, he got to pay all the bills. And they call that black feminism. To me, black feminism is a myth, first of all. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because there, there's... In order, you know, you're saying you're feminist. Feminism is based on, you know, white men. And it's based on power. And it's based on who's who's basically saying, well, this person is, is equal to this person. You know, we don't make the rules. They're, black women approach black feminism as if black men are uh, paying them salaries. You understand what I mean? Like, like we're, we dictate the difference between their salary and someone else's salary. When you talk about the wage gap, the thing that kills me is they say, well, men make this and women make this. Well, which men? Hmm. Because every, they're basing everything on what white men make and they don't make the, the, you know, the distinction between white men and other men. But they do make the distinction on different types of women, right? So if you, if you, if you make the statement that women are women across the board, you'll be soundly checked, particularly by black feminists, about ignoring the entire history and the intersectionality and so on yeah. and so forth. But when it comes to men, you're absolutely right. The very concept of patriarchy is rooted in the idea that men are all the same, they all have power, and they all keep it from women. I mean, the stream I think we saw a few days ago, maybe last week, with, uh, I think it was Selena, what's her name? Selena Johnson and Vivica oh. Fox and all of that. The, yeah. You notice in the discussion when they started talking about you know, how men act and what, what men have done historically. It was always this, this, you know, combined idea. So somewhere there's black, brown and white men sitting around together, holding hands, sharing power. Yeah, that's yeah. So And we're strategizing to keep it from them. Yeah. Like I recently, uh, I, like I put out the, uh, the, the, the video about black, uh, no, what was it? Domestic violence, I think it was. And, and, and basically, so they, they consider patriarchy to be this kind of collusion. Mm-hmm. Like black men are, you know, are colluding with Asian men, with brown men, with white men. Like, we're going to keep women barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Right, right, like, right. At the end of the day, all you got to do is look at the data and find that black men are being subjected to the brunt of racial oppression. Period. Just, just acknowledge it for what it is. Watch all you got to do is watch the videos of black men being killed indiscriminately in the street through extrajudicial justice. That's all you got to do is look at it. Now, some women will get killed, but if you tally up the numbers, you're going to see black men get the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the uh, subord. It was called the subordinate male target hypothesis. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's like Jim Sedanius, and uh, that you know Tommy Curry is the one who. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, you got to give them credit for bringing that kind of research out to the fore. But right. so, so the idea is that when 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 this it just makes sense. I mean, if you conquer a group of people, the biggest threat to the yeah. oppressor is the men. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, who's going to I'm not trying to be disrespectful to women at all by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd rather go into a fight against four or five women than one man who's heavily armed. You know what I'm saying? Or knows how to fight. 
because mm. I can tell I can dispatch those women rather easily. And 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 this white man already knows he's got these black women to check. He he already knows. Mm. You know See, what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah. before before the, before I knew that there was a name for that, you know, like I get in I get into back and forth with my 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 boy's girlfriend. We have these conversations, and you know she brings up intersectionality, mm-hmm. and when she when she talks about men, she she talks about black men in in a way like you said that like there's some camaraderie between us white men you know and, and whatever i said to be honest the fact that we're men is 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 actually a negative as far as yes. the society is yes concerned. yes it's a negative we're, we're a problem it's again you know now i come across this and like i said now i can apply a name to what i was saying to her I said, listen, you're you're a woman, and I understand how that works, but we're black and male. So not only are we black and that's a problem, but we're male and that's a problem, especially to the dominant male in this in this in this environment. Mm-hmm. You understand? So they yep. gotta get us out of there first. You're not a threat. Right, exactly. So that's why uh what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is work on this, uh, the next video. I don't know if it'll be the next video I do, but what I want to do is try to disentangle racism and sexism. Mm-hmm. See, what intersectionality does is it just ties all forms of oppression right. together. And right. They're interlocked. Yes. And, you know, in, interlaced with one another. Uh-huh. And they create these cages of oppression that you can't get out of. And, you know, with the subordinate male target hypothesis just demonstrates based on empirical evidence and historical archival evidence is that that's just not the case. I mean, who, who goes to prison more? Mm-hmm. Black men. It's not because, you know, it's not because women are somehow doubly oppressed. It's, it's because black men pose the biggest threat. And if you want to maintain a patriarchal domin- uh, 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 hierarchy, or a dominance hierarchy, you do it by suppressing men. You don't keep a patriarchy in place by mm-hmm. suppressing women. Women are there to be concubines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you suppress men within a dominance hierarchy and you kill off all of the potential competition. So you don't, so your harem or your concubine click is just for you. Yeah, you, get, you, you know what pisses me off about the intersexual uh, intersectionality and uh, feminism and womanism is basically they didn't bring that stuff up in the sixties or seventies until the white woman didn't share the spoils with them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, when they didn't, when they didn't share the financial spoils with black women, then all of a sudden they wanted to actually uh, come up with intersectionality and womanism. Mm. When 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 white when white woman feminism didn't work for them anymore. Well, and that's the, that's the dialogue, the the diabolical brilliance of mm-hmm. intersectionality and and feminism, and even if you add in things like the Duluth model, they equalize all forms of oppression for one mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and then they tip the 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 equation mm-hmm. to where it ends up where one demographic is the most suppressed of all, right? Which is black women, well, black women, and they actually articulate very clearly: black men are almost at our level, but they benefit from privilege. And this goes back to what both Marcus and, and Gigi were saying a second ago about actually, you know, if you if you look at it empirically, you find mm-hmm. 
exact opposite. But most people who are brought into these kind of gender theories are not taught to look at this empirically. You're taught to look at it emotionally. You're taught to look at it in terms of just, you know, moral arguments uh, that just suggest the oppression. And that's the end of it. And I've said this several times when I when I was taking grad school classes mm -hmm. and, and women's studies. If we talked about rape, they would bring in someone to talk about how she was raped. Mm -hmm. And then other women in the class would talk about how they were raped. And mm -hmm. if you brought up rape outside of a female victimization framework, it was dismissed because I tell people all the time I was violated twice before the age of eight, mm -hmm. one by a, ma a white male and one by a black woman. Mm -hmm. Right? That was not considered part of the discussion. It was not welcome as mm -hmm. part of the dialogue. Right. Damn. And so no data, no statistics, no articles, no historical analysis. It was just a series of stories around the room about individual women who had experienced black women who experienced being raped. Mm -hmm. And then it would end with a shaming session where all the women would lean in toward the men and say, you guys got to do better. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's how rape was handled in a graduate level women's studies course. Mm -hmm. Wow. No statistics, no data, no analysis, none of that. Yeah, because when you start pulling, just like any tapestry that's not very well made, you start pulling threads, it comes apart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But if enough people are trained to not look for the threads mm -hmm. and to accept the narrative presented. Mm -hmm. that just, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the religiosity of mm -hmm. feminism. You weren't supposed to ask questions. You were supposed to accept. Yeah, you know? that, yeah that's ha that has to stop. Like I, I was watching a video. I can't remember what video it was, but it was like this British woman, and she was being interviewed by Pierce Morgan. I don't, I, I don't know if you know who these people are, but uh, yeah, yes, we know. Yeah, but um, she was a uh, a woman who had been successful in British government prior to the advent of the women's liberation movement, and she was kind of uh, distancing herself from it because she felt that. The government helping women out really does a disservice to women for the same reasons that like some black people make arguments against affirmative action. But I mean, ultimately, she just got through uh, talking to Pierce and then she ended up saying, look, you women, you men are wimps. You're letting women just control everything. You're letting them tell you what to do, how to do it and when to do it. When are you going to stand up for yourselves? Mm. And at some point, men have to push back against it and just take the backlash like mm -hmm. the brother CJ. Like at some point, I, man, I, I don't want to be, you know, vulgar or anything, but women just have to be told, shut up, man. Like, just be quiet. You have to mm -hmm. stop. You, you got to stop centering yourself. But women will, will center themselves as long as you let them center themselves. They will continue. See, the thing is that that does happen. That is happening. What you're, what you're saying guys should do, they're doing. It's just that once they do that, they got a lot of opposition, so, not so, just not just black women. You understand? I'm not saying that that means that you don't do it. I'm just saying that you know it's not just black women. It's black women. There's other black men. There's other races of women, and then there's white men that you're gonna have a problem with. Yes, yeah, so I would. Yeah, like, yeah I, I get it, but you know. Um, like we say a lot of these things, whether it be on Facebook, YouTube, and things like that, you know, you know, these 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 uh these platforms, you know, they're 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 sensitive to you know the feelings of these women we're talking about. 
these women, you know, that 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 video that you're talking about with Selena Johnson and Lisa Ray, mm-hmm. I made a comment on that video that repeatedly got deleted. Back to mm-hmm. back to back to back. And I couldn't post it on this, so I ended up posting it on Corey Holcomb's channel. Mm-hmm. And, um that's the thing. When you when you speak out against these sorts of things, whether you do it on a YouTube or you know, you do it on a Facebook post, you know, you get flagged and reported and blocked. You know, I, I just came back from a 30 day. Oh, okay. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you you know, Doc, you already know. Mm-hmm. You know. I just came back from a 30 day. So you get, you you know, you, you got these, these women, you know, what, to be honest, the, the comment that I made on the video is that black women have been getting national platforms to 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 talk dirty about us for years. Mm-hmm. The only way that you've heard us respond at all is the internet. Mm-hmm. We don't get these platforms. Mm-hmm. They don't give us these platforms. So it, there's a you know it's just like you know you got the you know the criminalization of the image of black men by the mainstream media. Then mm-hmm. you you give black women the leeway to talk about us on mainstream media if that's all you're seeing and hearing it's hard to unlearn that mm-hmm. you, you know what i'm saying so they're they're given this so with, <laughs> you know like i was saying to uh gg like we do this we, we we speak out against these 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 things but we're doing it on platforms where those those messages are not really welcome and these these people we're talking about actually have the power to have us removed. I've been sure. on YouTube for a long time and you know since the SWPs and the thugticians and all of that and I've seen a lot of these guys come and go and get thrown off YouTube and other platforms for what they were saying. Well, and that's and that's exacerbated by the fact that you know for most of us it also depends on the space you're in. So mainstream media black men don't get a platform. But in the academy it's the same it's the same dynamic. Because amongst students, faculty, and staff on a university, especially when you talk about black men, we're usually outnumbered by black women and every other demographic. So even in terms of the actual people in the room, we don't get a chance to to engage in the discussion, right? So so you're outnumbered and there's there's an echo chamber effect surely with the numbers of, of folk involved in the dialogue at every level. From from uh, instructor to you know a tenured faculty person until well I should say at every level until you get to the elite top level of tenure, black women outnumber black men. So it, when you get down to it, the raw numbers of black men are much smaller than those of black women. And, and at the end of the day, when you go back and count the number of degrees we've achieved since the 1970s, again black men are severely outpaced by by you know whites man, male and female and of course by black women so not only is it a matter of not having access to platforms it's also a matter of being outnumbered and so when not you only- try to make an argument you're pushed out of the argument by the sheer numbers and that's supposed to stand in for what's what's correct and what's appropriate not only that you, uh, marcus um mm-hmm. brought up a good one about okay to piggyback off what Green Gorilla said, Marcus said, and also you, Dr. Johnson, and various levels from on social platforms and in at the academia, also on the ground, ground, ground level of personal relationships. I had an ex, I have an ex-girlfriend. She and I were together for a while. 
Now she was a single mother, black woman, educated, lives in Pasadena, light skinned, mm-hmm. and then her ex-husband, he was Caucasian. Mm. So her son, yeah, you can see there was a bit of black in him, but also he was light enough whereby so-called he could pass. Mm-hmm. Long story short, the boy is in middle school. All right. She sends him to a very private school in Pasadena, mm-hmm. mostly whites. I mean, like, I think she described it as over 95% white. Mm-hmm. 5% were other. Mm-hmm. So the boy is on the basketball team. He's the point guard. He goes up to try for the football team. They make him the quarterback. Mm-hmm. What happened was, I'm gonna say it real. What I told her, he got his nigga wake up call. Why I say that? Mm. There he was playing with a couple of his friends in a little play hall, study hall where they have like a little um table tennis, ping pong, and he came went to play with some of his friends. He gets assaulted by a dude on the football team. Long story, it turns out to be a white kid whose family been in Pasadena for a long time. And he got pushed aside. He got beat out for the position of quarterback by, by the kid. Mm-hmm. So he gets jumped right there. And then afterwards tells a lie that her son assaulted him mm-hmm. and he was getting ready to be expelled. Mm-hmm. So she had to go and now write letters to the, the faculty of somebody from the um, local city council on the board of education. And then mm-hmm. hear the whole thing out. In other words, her son finally stayed in school and the boy mm-hmm. got so-called discipline slap on the wrist and i told my girlfriend at the time honey this is the first time he's experienced it but it's not going to be the last your son just got his nigga wake a call she blew her top at me mm-hmm. saying of many things don't say that don't put that word out into the universe because she mm-hmm. was into the secret and all that and whatnot and whatnot and that right there was the beginning and the end of our relationship mm-hmm. because i was trying to let her know you can't do that. You cannot shelter him anymore. I'm sorry. He's grown up. He is a black male. What do you think more is going to happen when he grows up into society? He goes into high school, much as college, or enter the workforce, period, once he reaches mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. She wasn't hearing that, and that was in our relationship because, again, she just did not want to hear the truth. She wanted to only hear and live her own narrative. She wants, she wants her baby to pass. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what it is. She wants her baby. Her baby. She wants her own version of a white male. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about it was the reason why she broke up, why she divorced her husband. Mm-hmm. Oh, she found unequivocally. Oh, he's gay. Mm. Okay. She came home early one time, and I'm not gonna say anymore. You guys can figure out the rest. She she knew he was mm-hmm. gay. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. it, he she knew he was gay. He just it just came out. Uh, uh, um. Where it was, uh, she couldn't hide it anymore. She knew it was gay. Mm. Mm. Well, we, we, we're, we're going to go about 12 more minutes. So, um, you know, any kind of parting thoughts as far as that kind of get them lined up. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the, the you know, the real question is always going to come back to what we decide to do. Mm-hmm. about this and how we decide to organize around it. And I think one of the things that's that I've been happy to live to see is men in general, but especially black men, begin to articulate their issues. And I've been saying for years, one of the biggest challenges is to first create the vocabulary, mm-hmm. you know, to, for us to be able to describe the things we're experiencing. Because that's the thing, we've all experienced it. We've all had the same kinds of experiences, mm-hmm. that, but we we haven't been really allowed to to talk about them and engage them for what they are. 
It's it's mm-hmm. been it's been soundly unwelcome. So I, I give people the example. I was at a conference a few years ago, and uh, it, we got to the you know the dinner session, the keynote, and before the keynote took off, you know everybody was just pretty much talking, and I was talking to a professor at another Cal State that I hadn't seen in years, and we were having a dialogue, and he was asking me about my work on black men, and I said, well we're we're developing a vocabulary. He said, well I don't understand what you mean. I said, okay, I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a concept. I want you to think about it and tell me what you think. He said, okay. I said, anti-black, um, I think it was, um, which one did I use? Uh, I think it was anti-black, um, you know what, damn it. Y'all going to have me looking it up just to make sure I don't use the wrong damn term. Because I, I don't want to give up the wrong term. You, 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 you PhDs kill me, man. <laughs> got to be accurate. Got to be precise, yes. Got to be precise because people throw it back in your face. Well, you said it wrong. That's not what you meant. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, yeah. All right. So I have it right here because I just want to I want to get it right. So bear with me. Um, and it was it was something that a friend of mine, Dr. Ronald Neal, actually said to me. Here it is. So I said anti-black male heterophobia. I said mm. all I said. I didn't say nothing else. I said anti-black male heterophobia. And he thought about it. He cocked his head to the side and then he went, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And he said it out loud. Everybody turned and looked at him. And he was just kind of in shock because when he reflected on what the concept meant Mm -hmm. for black males going back to slavery to now, heterophobia, Mm -hmm. every accusation of rape, you know, every lynching that was premised upon a violation of of, Mm -hmm. of by black males, all of that came to bear. Mm -hmm. And he realized that, wait a minute, just that one term opened up entirely new reality in his perception. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, so if we're coming together to build a vocabulary, mm-hmm. think about what a glossary of new terms that mm-hmm. really reflect on the black male experience, what that can bring to bear on how we how we begin to analyze the world. He lost it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, and these are the kind of discussions black men need to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you it's, know, my, my suggestion would be. Uh, I think we need to push it forward because I think we got enough terms at the current moment to develop a manifesto. Like, I mean, this is how the feminists came out. I mean, what, yeah. they, did, what they did was they made a declaration mm-hmm. and a group of men need to, to come up with a manifesto and say, here's what we got a problem with. We got a problem with patriarchy from white men. We got a problem with white women acting as if all men are part of some sort of secret cabal to, you know, <laughs> To, to, to usurp the authority of white women. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're tired of black women piggybacking the women's movement. And, and basically what they're doing is saying, we're not accepted in your movement because we're black. And then we're not accepted by black men because they're sexist. At some point, we need to, we need to say, okay, here's who, the groups we have a problem with. And while all that is happening, black men are in prison. Mm-hmm. While all that's happening, black men are getting killed from extrajudicial uh, uh, you know, lynchings in the street. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to, you know, through educational systems, don't take our needs and our interest into account. So, I mean, I think at this point we can write something and declare to the world and say, look, you want to sign on to it? You don't have to if you don't want to, but this is what we're rolling with and here's our principles and here's our ideas and we're sticking to it and we're going to continue to do research related to it. Um, 
And I'm really, you know, I'm hoping that, you you know, Dr. Johnson, you can continue the good work at the university level. And, I, and I'm hoping also that uh, Dr. Curry can, can continue this work and uh, Ronald Neal can do it as well. Um, just be vocal. And I see that y'all are vocal. Y'all, I mean, you really don't care, <laughs> you know? And it just it takes people who are willing to stand firm on their convi- convictions because people are going to push back, but then also to interpolate brothers mm-hmm. who don't have these degrees into the conversation because those are the people most impacted by these policies anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the truly marginalized. Mm-hmm. You know, give voice to the voiceless. And just don't make their same mistakes because what they've done is they've, they've created an enclave around themselves. It's clever what they've done because they've taken control of the universities. And, you know, that's where knowledge production begins, mm-hmm. university level. Then it disseminates out into popular culture. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes hegemonic. But it starts off at the university. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, it, this this movement needs to be grassroots. We already know it's time for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so just, just, just develop that manifesto and, and, and you know, Yeah, I hear you. And I I would say, just like Dwayne said in the comment section, you know, the man not is 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 if not the manifesto of Mm -hmm. the foundation for it in many ways. Mm -hmm. But the the other thing I wanted to add it is I think you're absolutely right. Now, when you talk about knowledge production in the academy, that's always been the Western model. The at least the idea behind black studies was that knowledge was supposed to come from the grassroots. And and challenge the academic model, which is what Black Studies was supposed to be, and we can we can argue about whether or not that's ever you know actually occurred or not. But I will say this: at the very end of the day, the reason I'm on YouTube and social media is to link the two together, to link the brothers that are that are in the academy with the brothers who aren't, because to you know the information that we're talking about, if it's limited to the academy, it has no legs, because too many of us are silenced and siloed in the academy to be able to produce this mm-hmm. but the brothers that are not in the academy are, are not only living it but talking about it mm-hmm. you know the academy you know brothers like you know the, i didn't come along till what uh manosphere 2.0 bgs mm-hmm. yeah you know? so i'm i'm you know many of us were late and so at the end of the day i'm, I'm saying we, we got to find ways to bring these conversations together mm-hmm. because both sides have something to contribute in order to, for us to get this discussion out. So I'm agreeing with you, Gigi. I think it it, 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 it definitely needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and it is. Yeah, the soldiers have already started to fight. We need the generals to actually come in and join us. Well, all I can say is I respect each of you, man. BGS, much love and respect. Uh, Gavin, much, much love and respect. Marcus Aurelius, okay. much love and respect. And uh, definitely Dr. Johnson, much love and respect. You know, right. respect to all of y'all, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Oh yeah, before y'all go, um Green Gorilla and Marcus Aurelius, do you guys have YouTube channels that I can subscribe to as well and still continue the conversation and everything? Uh yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. And Green Gorilla? Uh, yeah, you find me at Green Gorilla. YouTube. Okay. You know, okay. it might shock you, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's coming out of the gates, man, uh like King Kong, man. He, he, <laughs> I thought he was gonna come in slow, but he come out the gate storming, man. <laughs> said, Every, wow. day. Every day, yeah. Yeah, and my, Marcus? Page, my page yeah. is keep it one hundred. So hundred is uh H U N N E D. So keep it one hundred. No numbers, all words. Keep it one hundred. Okay. All right. I will subscribe. Thank you, gentlemen. 
you know, and I like, I gotta just, I gotta say, I, you know, I appreciate all of y'all, you know, Gigi be, be coming through with the fire and, and it, and it's, it, it warms my heart. Cause I'm like, Oh man, I'm not alone. I got brothers, you know, and he yeah. inspires me. BGS comes through with just the wide ranging vantage viewpoint, you know, that, that always kind of helps me kind of put things in context. Marcus is hilarious to me. Marcus, <laughs> Marcus will take the most complicated arguments going on in, in, in Facebook and he'll come in with one line and just make everybody look stupid. And, <laughs> and I'll be like, damn, that's what I was trying to get to, but he just mm. said it so smooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, you know, I dig, I dig the, the, the variety of ways that brothers come to the, the fore and, and contribute to the dialogue. You know, I'm just meeting, I'm just starting to have dialogue with Gavin, so I'm getting to know him. But I'm appreciating the different ways that we come to the table. And and, and along with what Gigi was saying, if we can continue to build on that, we can definitely go in a particular direction. Oh, we will, because I've been a long-time subscriber to BGS. He doesn't know it, but I've been a long-time subscriber to him. Same here, same here. That's right. right. Same here. Uh Through all the introductions and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> so day ones, huh? Yeah, yeah. Long time, Trump. man. Trump. Trump. Yeah. I can say I was called in the matrix. Man. <laughs> I was called in the matrix, man. It just takes a, a lifetime event to uh you know to, to 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 let loose that uh that connection that the matrix has you plugged into before you realize, man, everything you've been exposed to. It ain't what it ain't what they say it is. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, okay. so some of us take the, the red pill willingly, and some of us actually forced upon. So it is what it is. But, <laughs> but, the, but the cool part about it is just like my brother at that conference, when GG came into it, he was like, All right, I've had these experiences. And then he started to meet some brothers, and he was like, What? Oh, I know what this is. And then from there, he just took off. <laughs> and I'm just like, Yeah, this is dope. <laughs> okay. So, it's, you know, I'm loving what I'm seeing brothers doing, man. And I want to thank, you know, my moderators, you know, for definitely keeping us going. I really appreciate y'all. And I definitely want to thank the brothers in the comment sections, both on YouTube and Facebook for engaging it. You know, I appreciate it. I want to thank the brothers on the panel tonight. I don't do very many panels, um, but, you know, y'all came through uh, and I, I really appreciate it. So thank you. No thank doubt. You. Yeah, word, man. Peace. Definitely. Man. All right. Well, y'all have a good night. And to to the audience watching, you know, you guys know how I like to close out. I'm going to do it here as well. I'm here to tell brothers we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man, children, sperm donors, child support, wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable (laughs) stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. Peace, y'all. Peace. Peace.